0: What's up, everyone? It is JDF, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphing time.
1: Ayusa! Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael.
0: And I'm Nathan. And you're listening to The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue.
1: Rangers being okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It's a very. Are we keeping that? You're jumping incred- ahead. It's an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly catchy tone or incredibly yeah. cl- catchy song. It um, is,
0: but you're jumping ahead.
1: <laughs> I am. I know, but it's. It, this is. This is one of those seasons. I'm so excited to talk about this one because this is one of those seasons that I have personally grown to love over time. Apparently, um,
0: that's what's happened for a lot of people with this one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and we can we'll get into details later, but it it does falter in some spots. But for me personally, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this.
0: I so, well, and we're again we're kind of jumping ahead again. But I think the problem that Lightspeed Rescue has is that it's sandwiched between two really good and really popular seasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you're coming on the heels of Lost Galaxy. And then right after this is time force. You might get overlooked a little bit. It's it's kind of like lightspeed rescue is the post-Zordon era middle child.
1: <laughs> yeah, kinda, kinda. Um, but this is also the penultimate ultimate season for this the original or Saban. Saban era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people la- I know a lot of people kind of lump. Uh, Wild Force in with the original Saban era. And technically they're right. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but the Wild Force feels very Disney. But we'll get there when yeah. next time we talk about Wild Force. But this feels like the penultimate season for the original Saban
0: era to me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But like I said, the middle child.
1: <laughs> the, the, the middle. Maybe the maybe the the red, the ugly red headed stepchild. I don't know. Oh, that's Turbo. That's terrible. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. That's um, so before we get into it too deeply, Nathan, read us our plot synopsis.
0: Cue the epic rock music. A brood of demons are unleashed from an ancient tomb, and they set their sights on destroying the city of Baroner Bay to rebuild their palace and revive their queen. Meanwhile, Captain Mitchell recruits five young heroes to become light speed rescue rangers to battle the fiends. As Elisar fends off attack after attack, the demons use Mitchell's long-lost son against him, only for him to join our heroes. The demons constantly plot against one another, revelations abound, and one ranger does his best to woo a beautiful scientist.
1: So Nathan, um, we're really deep into this podcast now. And we have yep. seen, this is the, uh, what is this? These, this is season number seven. No, this is season number eight. Season number eight, yes. Season number eight of the original run of the show, and so how are you feeling so far?
0: Well, uh, uh, now that we've gotten over the speed bump that is Turbo, right? It's actually been pretty smooth since then, right? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to
1: love in this in this uh, post Zordon era. Um, I know a lot of fans really enjoy, you know, Mighty Morphin up through in space, with the exception of maybe Turbo. Uh, they tolerate Turbo. Uh, <laughs> they
0: tolerate Turbo. They
1: tolerate Turbo. But a lo- I, I don't see a lot of fans talking about Lightspeed Rescue all that much. Like you hear fans oh, talk cool. about Lost Galaxy because it's the it's the season that comes immediately after in space. Mm-hmm. You hear and some lot- people
0: like to grandfather that into the Zordon era because some of all do. the yeah. ties it has to it. Yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah, the Zordon era ended when Zordon died. Like for mm-hmm. me personally, Zordon. Yeah. Zordon era ended when Zordon. Yeah, died. the
0: Zordon era. Uh, the Zordon era is, is basically a. I guess you could almost say a sub era within the sub, The original Saban run.
1: Yeah, yeah. It houses the most famous of the of the series within the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, some of the some of the most mm-hmm. famous series. Anyway.
0: Well, and and Lightspeed Rescue is notable because this is the first Power Ranger season that has no connections to the previous seasons or references other than the team up.
1: Yeah. Other and, than the team up. Yeah.
0: Well, and I have opinions about the team up and this season also has the,
1: uh, notable, the, this season also has the notability of ha- featuring a newly created Ranger. We've had, mm. we've completely had the original Ranger completely. We've had completely original villains before, but this is the first time we get a completely original power Ranger.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah which we'll get into and uh, for those uh, uh, just so we can make sure we mention this the sentai that they're adapting this time i hope i'm saying this right qq sentai gogo 5
1: right? Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm currently watching, uh, I'm, I'm currently watching through go, go five right now. I'm trying to go in order of the, uh, shout factory release releases. So I'm currently watching go, go five. I've not made it through the entire mm-hmm. series yet.
0: Mm-hmm. For what I understand, it's not too far off, but they change the main differences is that they change character relations.
1: They do. Yeah. This yeah. In, because in,
0: in, in go, go five, all the Rangers, are siblings
1: yes and what's fun is it's not just the rangers in gogo 5 that are siblings it's actually our villains too The demons the demons are our siblings as well with the exception. yeah yeah it's like
0: what uh what is it's like it's the queen is their mother and Mm -hmm. all the except for jinxer jinxer is their butler you told me but but you know but uh diabolico vipra loci they're all siblings
1: Exactly. Yeah. Olympias. Diabolico. Diabolic and we'll get into we'll get into this later when we talk about characters, but this is just kind of about the Sentai right now. Yeah. Diabolico is the eldest brother of the demons. Uh Loki is the middle child. And well, no, Lokai is the next young the next eldest. Uh Vipra, I think, is uh the next one under that. And then of course um Impus, what we know is Impus. Um mm-hmm. he's the sentai- youngest. His sent his sentai name escapes me. Um,
0: Well, I mean, it's funny that you say that because I looked at the back of my box for uh, for o ranger and i saw the name of uh, of mondo's sentai counterpart I'm like oh my gosh that sounds amazing his name is king bacchus I'm like oh yeah, ooh, I, yeah. I, like, I like this oh
1: <laughs>
0: yeah uh so
1: the only difference the biggest difference between Lightspeed speed rescue and uh gogo five is the character relations like you said they're all siblings like mm-hmm. both both the villains and our heroes are sets of siblings that kind of makes sense given some of the thematic through line that we were able to discover while watching this, but we'll get into that much mm-hmm. later. So first yeah, of we all will, now. we
0: will. Yeah. So, but uh, one thing, like I hinted at before, I found out that this actually wasn't very well liked when it was first on, but people have grown to appreciate it with repeated viewings. And I think that's in part because people realized actually the finale for this one is really good. And it's, in- it's I, incredibly. I solid. would tend to agree this actually, I would actually probably, at least out of the ones i've seen right now probably would i would probably put it in top five Finale, it, best
1: finales it took the idea it took the idea of of what we got with chase into space and just really amplified it like it yeah just, it's it,
0: better it, than chase into space
1: yeah it raised the stakes and we'll and we're kind of comparing the two because there are some obvious comparisons yeah there too. are
0: there are but
1: um but it First, did it It did do it did do so much better than chase into space and it does dial up the tension and the drama, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So before we get into that, Nathan, we have to talk about the thing (laughs) that we're introduced to first in any Power Rangers uh, series, the theme song
0: the signal is calling our planet is falling the danger will test you. okay i'm done I, as much as i want to keep going i like this theme. to make
1: it a light speed
0: rescue yeah <laughs> yeah i like this theme i, I do really do, do. It's do. Incredibly good. i mean this is probably i mean we talked about how the, you know, Lost Galaxy's theme as the you know, first post Wasserman theme. It was okay. Some people really love it. I thought it was like okay. this one feels more Power Ranger-ish to me. It doesn't hide the ball
1: either. It doesn't like no. how, how we talked about in Lost Galaxy When we record, when we were talking about Lost Galaxy, how Lost Galaxy's theme song was kind of like generic and a little bit more nebulous. The Lifespeed Speed rescue theme song does not hide the ball at all in what what are no. being set up for.
0: No, and it's it's got a it's got a, it's got a good beat to it, a good tempo. It mm-hmm. uh, feels like a, you know, like a metal or a rock song. I like the rhyming scheme. That's all you know, that's uh, that's good. It's mm-hmm. good. The lyrics are a bit sparse, but it's cuz it's not a full song. Like yeah. the like GoGo Power Rangers. But one of the things that I look for in a superhero theme song, is I'm looking for, I'm looking for either something that tells me stuff about the hero, or it's making promises to me as the viewer, and that's sure. what this is doing. I mean, the the signal is calling the our play, so it's uh, I th- I hear that. And I think of the bat signal, and this also fits in thematically with heat, you know, heating the you know the call to adventure and duty and things like that and then it's promise as it our planet is falling so i'm promised danger and tension and mm-hmm. and then it actually says in the next line the danger will test you i like we need more of this in superhero anthems we need to remind everybody that you need to in order to be a hero you must be tested and unfortunately there are some writers who shall remain nameless who don't have a grasp of that There are reasons I don't read a lot of modern comic books is all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, you know,
1: our rain, you know, this theme song sets up, I feel like this, this theme song sets up beautifully what the audience can expect from light speed rescue or LSR.
0: I don't know. I'll probably Mm -hmm. switch back and forth. I admit the title is a little weird because I know they say light speed in terms of quickness. Mm -hmm. So it's because they're basically superhero first responders, basically so it's supposed to be that you know they get to where they need to very very uh, very fast but when i hear light speed my brain automatically goes to outer space <laughs> right yeah <laughs> oh, i mean it throws me off a little
1: it's still better than say i don't know like siren rescue or i can't remember any uh i can't remember if the power bible um said anything about proposed Uh, the visual guide, the visual guide, sorry, the visual guide, uh, said anything just in
0: case nobody knows what our, our in jokes are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, 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 the power Rangers video visual guide that came out in 2017, we call it the power Bible because there's a ton of information in there. And the ton of information we reference, we've referenced before. But what I was saying is, I don't remember if there was any other proposed names for Lightspeed Rescue. I know that the creative team for Lightspeed, I know the creative team for any Power Rangers, Um, they go back and forth on what to call this, on what to call each season. I know, just as an example, that's top of mind for me right now. They almost called Dino Fury, Dino Knights, which mm-hmm. makes, which a,
0: I think would have been better which makes
1: a ton of sense yeah i think dino knights actually makes more sense and it would have been a little bit better yeah Uh, because
0: fury is one of the overused words in power ranger titles uh i'm just saying that right now i've already made a joke on twitter about it you know it's like here i will create the ultimate power rangers uh, show for you what was it uh dino fury uh, what is it? uh uh, dino ninja fury force there <laughs> dino, yeah the dino ninja super fury force or yeah, di- yeah there you go you got to get super in there too yeah, yeah, or, you you know, get, it's yeah super dino ninja fury force there well you i go.
1: actually got to get mega in there now too i guess uh no mega gotta,
0: doesn't show up as much but super does yeah i know super, super does. does so yes so there you go
1: <laughs> so speaking of our uh calls to so speaking of our uh, being tested uh let's dig into some of our new characters because this does this follows the same model as mm-hmm. Lost Galaxy, new season, new team, new characters, the send time model is followed mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. the letter here. So and we have the talk-
0: sa- and we have the same color, a uh, color uh composition. You know, yeah. Red, blue, um, green, not black, green, mm-hmm. yellow and pink. Yes. Yeah. So, so our Red Ranger who probably is the most popular one out of the entire cast. oh yeah yeah carter (laughs) played by sean cw johnson and i don't understand why his middle initials are capital c small w with no periods i don't maybe chadwick i don't know i don't don't know know. keep talking i'm gonna actually see (laughs) uh
1: but no carter is carter is definitely the um the most popular character in lightspeed rescue he's actually one of the most popular red rangers in ranger canon i know a lot of people talk anytime you hear people talk about like anytime the conversation of uh favorite red rangers comes up uh
0: carter oh, is oh my goodness carter, carter is a carter is a smart smart boy according to the ranger wiki here Carter is No 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 get, listen to this, listen to this. He he went to Rollins College in Florida and he triple majored in theater, philosophy, and psychology, and he graduated with a 4.0. Wow. How did he end up on a Saban's kid show? <laughs> the theater angle, I guess. I guess. Oh, Maybe and that- it says just so everyone knows he's not related to Amy Joe Johnson.
1: Oh, okay.
0: OK, it's
1: really random. All right.
0: OK, I don't see why he's got funny middle initials, but there you go. I don't the triple maybe. majored and he's brilliant.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, he is a very well accomplished actor. He's a very he's a very likable character. And I mm-hmm. think he's a strong leader, which first and foremost, the red he red uh,
0: red uh, red is. is. And honestly, he he's probably honestly probably the most righteous member of the team. I actually, oh, very uh, uh, Disney brain, a YouTuber who talks a lot about Power Rangers went so far as to call him Superman. <laughs> like, you know what? He's pretty much Superman. Kind of,
1: <laughs> you know, kind of like, cause you know, truth, justice in the American way. I mean, I, yeah, I get it because this is a very, we were talking about this before we, uh, got behind. We were, before we, uh, started recording that this is a very like Western feeling power Rangers. Like there's a very, there's a lot of Western sentiment here as far as like the first responders mm-hmm. angle and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and
0: what's interesting is this team is basically, even though some might take issue with this, they're basically a police force.
1: Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're a government.
0: Of- the other thing is different is that there are, this is the first, ranger team that is government funded they're a government organization Uh and they're public superheroes they don't have secret identities i was gonna say this changes the um this this
1: alters the 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 what is it what am i thinking what's the word i'm thinking of um this alters the the power rangers trope of you can't you have to hide your identity Mm -hmm. is i think this is the first should be the first season that does this, like mm-hmm. they are now public figures. People know mm-hmm. who these guys are now. Later seasons. We'll just wreck. We'll just take this away, but I, well, really, they, it
0: depends on the team,
1: right? I really like this idea though, of them being public servants and people actually knowing who they are. It actually humanizes them a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like just, to know how the, they don't get mugged by everyone at the beach when they have their mandatory beach episodes
1: maybe you know yeah cuz every power rangers episode every power rangers season has to have the beach day off episode um but anyway i i that's not really not it really important um b- but yeah, I, I'm, uh, to your point, I, I'm surprised they don't get mugged in public or autog- Like,
0: well, we want your autograph or something like that. Yeah, I'm, ass- I'm assuming like, they all. Oh my gosh, it's the Red Ranger. Yeah, we're le-
1: sure. we're led to believe that they all. I mean, live. they
0: they still bother to do the mandatory Pink Ranger wants to be famous episode that is just a thing in Power Rangers.
1: I wish they wouldn't do that because in this one it feels it's,
0: it feels really forced. With this one, because I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, you know, let's stick with Carter right now then yeah we'll talk well, about we
1: the can we move on from carter in just a minute but like, saying- I,
0: lo- I like carter uh, yeah. he's he's very much a uh like basically you know old school captain superhero. america yeah he's yeah a captain america a superman america. yeah yeah very much he's- so and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel it doesn't feel fake I guess is yeah. what it is. It feels very genuine. He's very earnest. He's probably the most earnest out of all of them, mm-hmm. but that's how a lot of old school superheroes are. They're very earnest.
1: Well, he was the first to stand when, uh, Captain Mitchell, you know, get, you know, told them, Hey, you can, ex- to, he asked them, do you want to accept this? Do you want to accept this responsibility? Carter was the first person to stand mm-hmm. up and say, yes.
0: Well, and I think that's in large part because he was already a public servant. He was a firefighter, Yeah, which, uh, I, that was something that the Disney brain bought, uh, brought up in his video essays on this season that I actually kind of agree with, and I, which is I wish that they had carried that through with the rest of the team, because the only other member who is also a public servant already is the Pink Ranger, because she's already in the military and she's a paramedic. Yeah. And I wish, like I said, that they had made the rest of them that way. And it, it could have just been that they used to be that. And that's how they got recruited. So mm. the other Ranger, like, uh, Chad, the blue Ranger could have been, uh, like a Navy seal mm. and Kelsey could have been, uh, an ex Marine and, uh, and, uh, Day- not Damon. That was last season, <laughs> Joel, <laughs> Joel, Joel could have been former air force. You know, it would have been easy to do. And it Something would have been
1: that like, it's obvious that these are exceptional men and women, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's obviously that these are exceptional. I would just, but I agree with you. I wish that there would have been something else to make them more exceptional, at least in the, in the guise of, uh, public service, um, in the, in the mo in the, in the, in the area of public service. I wish, because we Mm -hmm. see Carter, he's a fire, he's a firefighter. Uh, Kelsey is a rock. She was picked up after doing a rock climbing.
0: Yeah, uh, she, uh, in the first episode, uh, which this is actually the first time in a while that we've had a one part pilot.
1: <laughs> yeah, they move through this pilot pretty quickly. And, it, and it's and to the I think it was the Disney brand that said this. It's a really straightforward uh, pilot. It, it does yeah. not it doesn't it does not waste it does not waste the viewer's time at all. Mm-hmm. So as all only two of these Rangers are actual public servants. We've Mm -hmm. got the Pink Ranger, who is a paramedic. Mm -hmm. We've got Carter, who's a firefighter, and then the rest are just exceptional people in their own right. I just wish they would have. I I think it could have. I just wish that. I I just wish there could. I wish there could have been something that tied them to exceptional public service to that would have made a little bit more sense to me.
0: Mm -hmm. And it could have actually explained why the rest, why Carter would be the first one to jump up. Obviously, well, no, because our pink ranger dana she didn't even know she was going to be the pink ranger until she was told but she didn't hesitate either and i think it actually might have made sense if the rest of them had been said hey because all of you are ex-military you can we want you to become power rangers and that will explain why the rest of them would just say no or mm-hmm. at least be hesitant because they're like we already did that we don't want to do it again we've moved mm-hmm. on that sort yeah, of a we're
1: thing. retired. We're
0: retired. We're retired. And- but yeah. it also continues the trend that we're seeing because, again, the franchise is growing up with the audience. These are not high school kids. No. These are no. young professionals at this point. I, I think the only one... They, we only have two characters whose ages we know for sure, and that's Dana and her brother. And we'll get to her brother here in a little bit. But her brother's 20 and she is 18. That's the only ones that whose ages they hang a lampshade on. So sh- Dana is, you know, it sounds like she basically just enlisted on her 18th birthday and just got in. So, yeah. you know, but still they are young professionals. They're not high school kids. And uh, like I said, growing and up would, with the audience.
1: And I would say that around the time this season come out, the around the time this season came, comes out, this is in the year 2000. So mm-hmm. a lot of the kids, I see, what was I see, in 2000? I was in, I was in middle school. I was still in middle school too. Th- I was, I was still in middle school in the year t- around the two around the year 2000. So I'm coming up on the age of 18 at this point, like mm-hmm. a lot of other fans. So you're right. The, and this is something we talked about in lost galaxy where it really starts to feel like it, the franchise is definitely growing up with our audience. And this feels like a very mature, um, season it does feel like a very mature mm-hmm. season with some campy childish elements mixed in for fun and mm-hmm. laughs and shenanigans but mm-hmm. we'll get there
0: yeah Uh let's move uh, since we've you know we've established carter he's our captain america this season let's yes. move on to our blue ranger chad our uh our asian fella played by an actor whose name i'm probably going to butcher <laughs> michael chaturantabut
1: oh Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Take a look okay. at that name.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, Chad Durantabat.
0: I that's hope a, I said a, that right.
1: That's a tough one. Yeah, that is
0: a tough one. Yeah. So th- when I first watched this, I was at, at first a little disappointed with how they were handling Chad because it just seemed like he was just there. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was. The thing is, is that he had a presence because he's by far the best martial artist on the team. When he's in some unmorphed fights, I'm like, "Oh yeah, this guy knows what he's doing," and he even has a little bit of a Tommy uh, of a Tommyism because every time he gets into a fight, he keeps saying Acha! <laughs> Acha! It was, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but he does get some good focus episodes later, and that fleshes him out, which is nice. I just felt like when it wasn't a focus episode, he didn't get as much attention he also seems to have a thing going on with kelsey but it never he, develops into anything beyond a kind of a you know a uh you know platonic uh yeah i don't want to say platonic which is more almost more like a brother sister sort of friendship right which is too bad because i think they're i thought they were pretty cute together so i think i would have been totally cool with them getting together
1: yeah, outside of outside of Chad's focus. Well, episode. Well,
0: I forgot. We can't have we can't have him and Kelsey get together because he falls in love with a mermaid because that <laughs> totally makes sense in this show.
1: <laughs> we didn't put that. Let's episode have on. two
0: filler episodes about a beautiful mermaid, and I will admit she that was she was very very pretty, but
1: <laughs> but anytime Chad is anytime it's not a Chad focused episode he just kind of recedes into the background a little bit. And I don't have any, I think Chad's a fine character. I, he just, he just kind of recedes into the background a little bit. He's just kind of forgettable. He's,
0: I I don't want to say forgettable, but he doesn't have as big a personality as the rest of them. Although Dana, Dana doesn't necessarily have a big personality either. She just sticks out because her dad's in charge.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) That's like her note well,
1: I think she, Dana, who is our pink ranger, uh, feels, feels in the role of the, of the compassionate pink ranger. Cause we talked about this in, in, in the lost galaxy where, you know, certain colors have certain tropes. The pink ranger yeah. is usually uh, since the bubbly, all, uh, bubbly uh, girly uh, one, and the and tends to be more compassionate or empathetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh,
0: since we're, I'm guessing, since we're just going to go to Dana right now, uh, act played by Allison McGinnis. Just mm-hmm. throwing the uh, the actress's name out there, but yeah, uh, she's uh, she's Daddy's little girl. Doesn't like being Daddy's little girl. I part of what kind of, I think kind of hurts the character a little bit is I feel like. Alison McGinnis is the one member of the cast that I feel like had to kind of figure out how to play the character as she went because her earlier episodes are not her performance isn't quite as good. She's She's pretty dry, which might've been part of the character as well. And maybe it was some of the writing because she was weirdly formal with her father going, I pay attention to weird things like this admittedly because she's always calling him father and it's not until later that it's dad and daddy, but I'm like, this is a military hierarchy. I don't think you call him father even, but
1: sir. Yeah, sir. Like yeah. any, like as coming from a military family, myself, like dad, uh, me as always, well, dad would be referred to as sir. Like you, mm-hmm. because it, because coming from a military, like in a, if you're in a military family, a lot of times, if your dad is in the military and he's, and if your dad is a military or your mom or whoever is a military person, it's a, it's a lot of times hard for them to turn that off. Even when they're home,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um so a lot of some sometimes kids will end up you know referring to their father or mother who is in the military like sir or ma'am mm-hmm. and that's just how they grew up i I feel like she was weirdly formal for the first few episodes and then after the the after the 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 miniseries with her brother ryan and the titanium and the titanium powers uh she becomes Super informal. So maybe mm-hmm. they were just kind of navigating her character yeah. as
0: they went. Possibly. But the, uh, like I said, her performance is a little dry compared to past Pink Rangers, but she does feel. The she's role of his- the Pink Ranger because she's very she is she's a paramedic so I, I think she's naturally compassionate naturally mm-hmm. empathetic she's the one who's always advocating for her brother and believing in her brother encouraging her brother encouraging her father even and yeah so she does technically fit the role it's just a li- it's just, well <laughs> pardon the pun it's just a different shade of pink. <laughs>
1: She's just not as um. She's just not as bubbly as we're used to with a Pink Ranger mm-hmm. at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you go from uh, when uh, <laughs> when you get to her, when before we've had Kimberly and a uh, Catherine and Cassie. And- <laughs> Kendricks Corona. It's it's different for sure. It is a little bit different. She's a little bit. And, dry. Well, and what's kind of funny is maybe she was kind of blazing a trail here because next season's Pink Ranger is really different too. That is a
1: rad. <laughs> yeah the 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 next season's Pink Ranger is a radical departure for what we would know of, of a Pink Ranger.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, which we'll know. get to that. So. We'll anyway, that, that. so that's
1: so that's Dana, uh, and let's talk about our Green Ranger, Joel. Joel,
0: the flying cowboy.
1: Yee-ha!
0: Yeah, yeah, you know it's funny. I've actually heard some people did not like Joel. They thought he was insufferable, and that he's a little that, bit over the
1: top for my taste. But I like
0: the top. Him. But I, the Disney broing brought this up. He's like, I didn't like Joel the first time I watched the show, but when I watched it again, I realized. He actually might be one of the most well-rounded characters in the show uh-huh. because his showboating, his over-the-top personality—it all comes from the fact that he's a performer. Yeah, he's a stunt pilot, the flying cowboy. Yeah, he goes and he does air shows. That's his job. So the fact that he's wearing the cowboy hat all the time and he's always—he's—he's uh, he's, you know he's more outgoing and he's always trying to charm people, even if it doesn't work, which we'll get into because he's got a thing for miss fairweather and, you know, he's always trying. It's part of the character. And you realize as the show goes on that that's probably a little bit of a facade. He's, um,
1: he's, he's Zach from mighty Morphin, just with, with uh, air with stunt pilot with being a stunt pilot than a hip hop keto
0: enthusiast. Well, there you go. That, actually, that's a very apt comparison.
1: He's, he's, he's Zach from Mighty Morphin because yeah. Zach, cause if you compare the two, Zach was the same way. Zach was very outgoing. His, he, you know, very over the top personality, love likable, like life of the party, uh, loved to have fun, loved to hit on girls and the, and always looking for, you know, always pursuing this one love interest of his, um, the, the biggest difference is, you know, he, the, uh, Joel flies a plane and Zach breakdances. I mean, that's the biggest difference. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, also I, st- and I wrote this in the and I remember referencing this in the um, in the first article of the power trip for Kaiju Rama magazine. I did this for Zach, but I did not necessarily do this for Joel because I focused on a different area for Lightspeed Rescue. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I think there you could read it as Joel, both Joel and Zach, mainly Joel, since we're talking about Lightspeed Rescue here, has a little bit of insecurity that mm-hmm. he's trying to mask over with his just kind of over the top personality, which that mm-hmm. tends, that tends to happen with, you know, people with big out extroverted personalities tend to be, uh, maybe very introverted, uh, when they're not around people they're, they're mm-hmm. like, For me, I have a big personality, but when I'm, uh, when I'm in public, I'm this big boisterous personality. But when I'm in private, it's just kind of like, leave me alone. I just want to be I just want to be left alone. You know, Uh,
0: you're destroying your podcast image, man. What are you doing? I know. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
1: Like I, I, I really value my podcast image so much. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to get famous from this guys. I'm
0: sorry. I um, it's not because you love the franchise it's because you want to be
1: famous, right? Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to spin this podcast into a magazine series and a book <laughs> and all the other things. I'm being, I'm being silly right now. Guys. Um, I'm being silly. I am the power guru. <laughs> I am. I am the power. Anyway, I am the power. Um, but no, back on track, do you, with
0: but me, do you got the power? Do, 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 do. I got do. the power. I got more power <laughs> in
1: my little pinky finger than you have in your entire body, sir. Oh, uh, thanks
0: for the cliche, buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but seriously, you know, back on Joel, Joel is an incredible, like, I'm almost inclined to agree with the, with the gentleman from the Disney brain that Joel, I did not care for Joel when I first watched this. I just thought he was annoying. I don't I don't know if I would go as far as to say insufferable because they you know he was just very extroverted and he was very over the top and it did get to be a little much sometimes but I wouldn't call it insufferable. Oh,
0: uh just so everyone knows, Keith Robinson, that was the name of his actor. I forgot about that. Thank Keith you. Robinson, thank you. Yeah. Uh but I like Joel. I like I can see a,
1: honestly I can see a lot of myself in Joel. Uh I I can identify with that big boisterous character that um, Just wants to be, wants to have fun, and wants everyone around him to have fun. So, you know, I like Joel. I like Joel. A lot. So, uh,
0: are you saying Joel is a dude, bro?
1: No, no. <laughs> Joe is not a dude. No, Joel is not a dude, bro. And I'm not a dude, bro. We're gonna no. We're moving on. We're, we're uh, moving. Inside on
0: joke. Now. Inside joke. Sorry. We're moving on. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, our yellow ranger, our extreme sports enthusiast. <laughs> Kelsey
1: falls into this. Um, Kelsey falls into. I want to say stereotypical yellow ranger trope of being the tomboy
0: female. She's ranger. the tomboy, but she also is the bubbly one in this team,
1: <laughs> which is a we- but which is a weird kind of twist to that, because typically the we get yellow rangers, the yellow because all all yellow rangers throughout Fran- about uh, throughout power rangers have been female. And typically the yellow ranger tends to not be as bubbly as the pink ranger. They tend to be a little bit more stoic, a little bit more reserved and, mm-hmm. and, and introverted. Yeah. yeah look
0: at, uh, look at Trini. She was, Trini. The, she Trini was, was the uh, model. she was much cooler in terms of personality compared to yeah. Kimberly.
1: Yeah. Trini was the model. Trini was the model for, I think what the, tro- well, she, cause she was the first, but you know, a lot of power ranger seasons after that have followed kind of that, well, no, I take that back. I take that back because Ashley from In Space was pretty bubbly herself. Yeah, but so was um, Cassie.
0: Cassie. Cassie was more so.
1: True, but so I maybe I'm maybe I'm trying to make a point that actually doesn't exist here where
0: um yeah, her typically typically the Yellow Rangers are more tomboyish.
1: Maybe typically, typically, yeah, but, but I, I do ta- think what I'm talking about is we've had bubbly Uh, we've had bubbly yellow Rangers in the past. They're not all Mm -hmm. like very cool and collected and Mm -hmm. stoic, uh, Mm -hmm. like Trini was, but you do have like the bubbly yellow Rangers and definitely, Mm -hmm. and definitely Kelsey is the, did I say Kel crap? Did I say Kelsey?
0: Yeah, it is her name.
1: Yeah. Um, and definitely Kelsey is the bubbliest one of this team. Like Mm -hmm. she's very, Mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's very much the optimist very much.
0: Oh Yeah. Very much so, and uh, she's she's the optimist. She's the one who's always, even more so probably th- than Dana. She's the one who's always trying to encourage the team to keep going and yeah. things like that. She's also the one that has the, other than Dana, but only because Dana works with her dad, she also probably has the closest ties to family that we see mm. throughout this, because she has a grandmother that she's watching out for. And- yes. And there's a little she has a focus episode where there's a little bit of family drama related mm-hmm. to that. And because her grandmother had expectations for her and she yeah. wasn't quite living up to that and things like that. Yeah. So
1: that's that's Kelsey. She's I think she's a great yellow ranger. Uh, she fits the character. Mm-hmm. Well, she's written well. Uh, her mm-hmm. character does not change very much. Her character does not necessarily evolve and change a whole lot from mm-hmm. episode one to. Mm-hmm. She's also very
0: five. much a product of the time because extreme sports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this and was this, the this was the height of you know the Tony Hawk popularity. You know,
1: was it this the was this the height and, or was it later? Late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you're right. Okay, so but. It's not as like extreme sports as a later extreme! season.
0: Extreme, no, no. As a later
1: going. season, we'll get to. But oh uh,
0: boy. <laughs> um, but no, no, no. And she's also. It's also cool to have her on here because it, she's a female athlete. Yes. So that, that's a little bit different as well because we've had gymnasts before, but she's like straight up lady athlete. And we should mention we forgot to we forgot to mention her actress uh, her her real name again, but it's uh, Sasha Williams.
1: So that's Kelsey. Kelsey's, Kelsey's solid. Um, like I said, she doesn't have, her character doesn't change a ton from, from the first time we see her till the last time we see her. She's just, she's just a solid, consistent character throughout.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, we got a couple of supporting cast members that we need to talk about. Namely Dana's dad, Captain Captain William Mitchell. Mitchell. (laughs) Because apparently so he this, does have a first name, William this Mitchell. This is good, a solid, a good solid boy's name right there. William, good a, solid.
1: A good solid yeah. Irish name is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Played
0: by Ron Roge. I hope I said that right. Roge. R O G G accented E. Roge. I have. It has to Roge. Yeah, it has to be Roge. Yeah. So he is actually the one he's basically our Zordon. He's the mentor. Mm-hmm. He is. And he's, he's the, the one who put this whole thing together, the Aqua Base cuz they have their headquarters as a an underwater base that they call the Aqua Base. Uh, uh, <laughs> naturally. And so he's the one who made the he's the one who spearheaded the project that made the morphers and the zords and the base and everything. He hand selected each of the rangers including a little bit of nepotism there with his daughter for the pink ranger. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> and I, I like him. I like him. I think I prefer commander Stanton as a mil- as a military man in the previous season, but I like no. captain Mitchell.
1: No, we talked about in lights. We not like, we talked about in uh lost galaxy where I were like, captain Stanton was okay. But I really Commander like Captain Stanton, but... Commander Stanton. I think Commander Stanton was okay, but I really like uh Captain Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah. I think Captain Mitchell feels feels in that uh mentorship role uh better than even Commander Stanton.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah. I just keep going back to how in the finale the guy basically goes semi catatonic. And I didn't see Captain, I didn't see Commander Stanton do that, but it's, he's also noteworthy because we find out that there's a reason why he hand-selected Carter to be the Red Ranger. It's because Captain Mitchell used to be a firefighter and in a little plot thread that gets resolved, I think about halfway through the season when I thought you might've wanted to keep that going a little longer, which is a little bit of a running quote unquote problem with this season. We find out that when Carter was a boy, he was, he was rescued from a burning house by a firefighter and that inspired him to become a firefighter and a public servant. Then we, and then, so he's like, man, I wish I could figure out who that was. And then we find out later, Oh, it was captain Mitchell. Yeah. Saw that that coming from episode one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was, that one was resolved. Well, maybe because it was, it was signaled so early and maybe it was signaled. So obviously, um, I kind of wish they would have drugged that one out though. But see this, this season of power Rangers, Falls into it. It has this nasty habit of wanting to be everything to everybody and explore every different creative idea, and then just jam them all in one season.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of its problem. It's like the writers they came up with about twenty different ideas, and then they just uh, everybody in the writers room just looked at it and said, "These are all amazing. Let's do all of them." And give no idea. How many episodes do we have? Forty. Yeah, we could do it. In the
1: process, and in the process, give no significant time
0: to any of them.
1: So. There
0: you go. Burns right through them. But the Captain Mitchell does get some nice uh, focus episodes. I did, I probably my favorite one is the episode where It's it's kind of a Carter episode too, because that's when we find out that he was the firefighter who saved Carter. But they train together, and there's all this you know young guy making fun of the old guy, sort of a thing, and the old guy making fun of the young guy, you know that kind of thing going on. It's like when I was your age, I could do that, I could run that fast for that long, and you know that sort of a thing, and. But he's also kind of strong, was like, Yeah, kid, yeah, the but some things come with experience, you know, and he kind of he knocks him onto the ground once. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite episodes with uh with Captain Mitchell is it's actually towards the end where he is uh hypnotized by Oh jinxer. by Jinxer? <laughs> yeah, he's hypnotized by at jinxer the,
0: at the carnival, and that dude, the actor playing jinxer in disguise I'm like, where did they find that guy? Because does he voice the character? Because he looks dead on for that Tokusatsu suit. Seriously. I
1: I don't know where they found. I don't know if that's the if that's the actor or not that plays him. But yeah, they the visual cues are spot on. the The visual yeah. cues are spot on.
0: Spot sure. on. But I the thing is, is we had we did they did a cat uh, something like that with Commander Stanton and Lightspeed Rescue. Uh, excuse me, in Lost Galaxy as well but it seemed like and this is the thing you would think these for as cunning and deceptive as they want these demons to be, you'd think they'd be a little bit better at it. Cause come on, I think having your subject walk around and just droning, I must obey. I must or, obey. Would give you, would give it away pretty fast
1: or, or walk around and have red uh, eye contacts in, uh, yeah, like that someone's like, it's like, yeah. bro, did they, it, did, it, did, it, did you have a rough night last night, there, uh, Captain? Uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, but with Commander Stanton, it was kind of like this slow escalation where, as time went on, he kept getting more and more agitated to the point where he got to the end of the episode. Now he's just picking fights with the Rangers. Yeah. So it, I felt like there was it was paced better there, but it gets the job done for this episode. It does. So that's, that's Captain
1: Mitchell. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Captain Mitchell's (laughs) right-hand woman and Joel's, uh, love interest, (laughs) Miss Fairweather, (laughs) Miss Angela Fairweather. Fairweather. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yes, played by Monica Lewerens. I hope I said that right. It's an interesting name. Lewerens. It's a, it's a name you don't hear very often. No, it's not and uh I have I can describe Miss Fairweather with in two words hot nerd <laughs> very much very I can see why Joel is taken with her because who oh boy and contrary to popular belief the hot ner- hot nerd girls do exist i've been to enough conventions
1: (laughs) oh they 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 certainly do uh there's actually
0: there's actually an entire facebook page called geeks are sexy that is it's mostly about cosplay and it it seems like they're bound and determined to prove that these kinds of people exist (laughs) so um so, Ms. but Fairwell- this, but she's not just there to be eye candy. She's not. It, she actually serves a purpose. She's the mechanic, basically. She developed all the technology, and she's very professional. She will take crap from no one. She makes Joel work <laughs> to get that date.
1: <laughs> I um I love that. I think it's in like episode two. I think it's episode two or two. It's episode three when I think it's Joel that's complaining about something on board, uh, uh, on board the Aqua on, on board, the Aqua base. He's like, who designed this? Whoever designed this was an, didn't know what the heck they were doing. And Miss Fairweather is just standing there, just waiting for him to
0: finish, <laughs> just
1: waiting for him to finish.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I felt like she was a little too much of a tease, but uh, I think, it. but I think it's because, Maybe she didn't, this is kind of how I'm thinking of it. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that she didn't necessarily like Joel at first. He was smitten with her from the get-go, but she wasn't necessarily impressed. So he had, but as time went on and she had worked with him a little bit, she grew to like him.
1: Which goes to show persistence does pay off.
0: Or it gets you (laughs) sent to court with a sexual harassment lawsuit. One or the (laughs) other
1: that is true that is true like don't be so persistent you go to jail we're not, we're not we're not condoning that um but miss fairweather is a miss fairweather is a good character it's it's a character we've seen throughout power rangers all the, uh, throughout I- its inception it's the anything from alpha five to to Decca to uh but those were machines um
0: the assistant to the mentor
1: the assistant to the mentor there there you go, thank you so we've seen this character before, although um none have been as like super as capable as I'd say miss Fairweather Miss Fairweather is very capable
0: yes um, yeah yeah she like I said, she's not just there to uh, not just there as window dressing she doesn't even I think there's a few episodes where she gets put in peril, but she isn't meant to be a damsel in distress either.
1: Yeah. There's the episode where I think it's the episode where her brother comes in. Her brother comes to town and (laughs)
0: and Joel thinks it's a boyfriend.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Her brother comes, her brother comes to town and they get trapped in a car uh, and they have Mm -hmm. to be rescued. Those are, that's a, that's a notable episode, but yes, mainly Joel. That was,
0: that was also an episode where they tried experimenting with a different morphing sequence and it was weird. For sure. Yeah, because the morphic sequence of this is a little odd. It's basically a light speed rescue badge that flies out and then it goes over the Rangers while they're posing. And it's like this membrane from it just forms into their costumes. It's odd. And then they did a different s- version where they threw the badge out and they would run through it. I'm like, Okay. I mean, I like the
1: morphing sequence. It's better. Okay. So this is going to sound really, this is, this is probably going to upset some folks, but I really hate the morphing sequence from Dino Fury. It takes way too long. Give yeah. me just a quick, like give me a quick morphing sequence. Like we've seen in, in past seasons, I think uh, in In Space, they would just say, let's rock it and then instantly change. Like just mm-hmm. like we've joked about this before, like the morphing sequences become so long. You're sitting there wondering why doesn't the monster of the week just kill them while they're before they, well, well the it's
0: not, it, it, sometimes I do think the morphing sequence is just, is there to look cool for the audience. It probably is technically instantaneous. It's when they're just standing around talking at posing where I'm just like, guys, why don't you just kill them now? Okay. <laughs> While the Zord, while the Zord is assembling, why don't you just smash it? They're completely vulnerable
1: right there. But I do like, but I do like the morphing sequence in Lightspeed Rescue. I think it's it's it is one of the more create. It is one of the more like creative morphing sequences Mm -hmm. in the franchise. Mm -hmm. I
0: think. Yeah, but 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 what I'm saying about Miss Fairweather is that she's. She doesn't quite go to one extreme or the other. And it, and it, they actually figured out how to take a character like this who's both beautiful and capable and professional, but don't go too far one way or the other with her, which I think is just great. So then when we get to the end, uh, you know, when we get to the final episode, when the, the characters are having these little moments before they make their final escape and she has a little chat with Joel and she just kind of casually says, well, you know, we have to get out of here so we can have that date. You know, and he's like, what you actually want to do it. Well, <laughs> Joel feel, you can tell Joel is just so excited. and feels so validated. It's like, I've been trying all season and I got it. Finally, which
1: it, her name fits the character. Because if you think about, if you think about what the name, what the, what the word fair weather means, it just means like temperate, moderate, kind of just straight down the, the straight down the middle. Like
0: mm-hmm. there's
1: no, there's no extreme one way to the uh, one way or to the other. One could say that temperate or not temper that fair weather could also mean level headed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she's miss miss Fairweather is very level headed. She's just very, just mm-hmm. she's matter of fact. She's, she doesn't mm-hmm. get overly emotional, uh, when things happen, Uh, Most of the time,
0: most of the times where she actually does go right up to the commander or to the other Rangers and says her piece or puts them in place when she Mm -hmm. has
1: to. Yeah. But she's pretty much like she plays it straight the whole time.
0: Also nice job of uh, tapping into your inner English major there. (laughs) Thank
2: you.
0: (laughs) Uh, All right. All righty, my friend. So from the supporting cast to our sixth Ranger, as we've already hinted at, this is the first truly original power ranger in Power Rangers. He is not from the Sentai. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he doesn't show up as much because of that, because budget constrictions. Right. He takes but, a very
1: long, he takes a very long uh pilgrimage towards like the but yeah. mi- towards the middle third of the season.
0: Yeah, which I'll give him credit. That was a smart move. Th- that was a good way to make it work in universe. So it's Ryan who is Dana's brother and captain Mitchell's son played by Rhett Fisher. <sighs> I, I don't hate the character. I want to say this up front. I don't hate the character. No, Rhett Fisher's I, performance, I don't. I, Rhett Fisher's performance is a little suspect at points, but again, he grew into it as the show went on. I, I don't hate the character either. I don't, I don't hate the
1: character either. Um, It's just that his story arc, it tried so hard to be green with evil and it just could not rise to that,
0: to that level. Um, It wanted to so bad. And here's the thing they, I don't want, uh, I'm not going to get onto uh, onto a turbo level rant with this, but this, but I look at the initial titanium Ranger episodes and I see a lot of missed potential. I also see a lot of stuff that doesn't quite ring true. It's not that the idea is bad on paper. It's just executed in such a way that it doesn't quite work. It needed more time. Now, yeah. here's the thing. It ha- there's one major difference between the Titanium Ranger story and Green with Evil that they really should have leaned into to make it different and to make it unique. Perhaps even... Even if it doesn't reach the same iconic status as Green with Evil, it could have potentially been a better story. And that is, with Green with Evil, Tommy was a good kid put under a magic spell and used as a pawn. He didn't choose that. Mm -hmm. Ryan, we find out disappeared when dana was very very young she doesn't remember her brother because she's the younger of the two right and we find out that what happened was she the two kids and their dad were in a car accident late at night and then they had a literal cliffhanger (laughs) where (laughs) they were dangling from a root on a cliff and Diabolico shows up. I don't know how he could do that when they were sealed in the tomb, but whatever. And Captain Mitchell basically makes a Faustian deal with him. Mm. That is a really cool idea. So he said, yeah. so Diabolico tells him I'll save your son because he was about ready to fall. He was the one of them who was about to fall. Yeah. He said, I'll save your son. But after that, he's mine. Yeah. And at the, he kept, Captain Mitchell kept saying no, 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 until Ryan finally slipped from it, uh, from his foot, and he's falling to his death, and he says, fine, I'll do it. And then he never sees him again until his 20th birthday, with an actually a very nice scene, because we find out, and this actually seems like something, I really do think, this is something that some people probably do, which is when the birthday for a loved one rolls around, they still celebrate it in oh, remembrance because that's oh, how the I episode do. starts
1: i do i celebrate my i still celebrate my mom's birthday
0: okay yeah you I get I still a cake? do you get a cake and everything
1: uh not a cake but i go and eat her i i either make her what i remember her favorite meal being and mm-hmm. i would make it for myself or i go to uh like a restaurant or something that i know she would love to mm-hmm. go that i knew mm-hmm. she loved to go to and i mm-hmm. have and i have lunch there or something like yeah.
0: that Yeah, and it's, so we have that scene start. That's a good setup for what we're getting here. Very much. And I I really like the idea that Captain Mitchell has basically been lying to Dana. He's like, your brother's still alive, but the demons have him. And he, the whole reason he started this, all of Lightspeed Rescue did all this was because he knew the demons were coming. He needed to be ready for it. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if what happened with his son was a motivator for it. So when the titan- so then they make the titanium powers that Ryan very, very easily sneaks into the aqua base and steals
1: with that no, was- with no expl- no real explanation why.
0: It's just or that, how he knows. It's that. just that security on the aqua base is terrible because they're just like we're underwater. Nobody can get to us. Right. Whatever he steals, the titanium ranger powers the Morpher. That it, they were developing for someone else to use, and then he basically becomes an evil ranger, and that sounds like a really I'm like oh man it's it's green with evil over again. We have an evil ranger. And he works for the bad guys. This is gonna be in, this is gonna be cool. Mm-hmm. That lasts all of two episodes. Well, I'll, maybe three. Uh, it's, no, it's, I ch- I, ch- I double checked two. Yeah, it's well anyway. It lasted it's, for two episodes. I'm like hold on a second he was uh, he was given away in a faustian deal raised to be evil so it's a little bit of an astronomer thing we got going on here a
1: little a little yeah
0: yeah raised to be evil not only to be evil but to hate his own father uh-huh. filled he was told lies all his life mm-hmm. your father didn't love you your father got you know uh, got rid of you and you know liked your sister more and things like that fed lies all of his life
1: which would have been easy to do because yeah. the because in Western culture the nature of demons is to lie and deceive.
0: Yeah, so it yeah. would be
1: it would make so much sense to do yeah. so. And
0: the fact so the yeah fact that Diabolico is doing a Faustian deal oh, like that is very classical, right there. Mm-hmm. It's very Mephistopheles. I love it. The literary nerd in me is just mm, it's loving this. But then it's over in two episodes. Yeah, I'm like. They spent five on a good kid who got put under an evil spell, and this is the kid who got raised to be evil by demons. And they take care of him and get him on and get him to join the Aqua Base, join Lightspeed Rescue in two episodes. It doesn't make
1: sense because in reality, and I know it's just a TV show, but in reality, would would you really trust somebody that no, I don't would care you if really it's your kid? You and you really it, trust somebody that quickly? Especially if that, if that person has a magical tattoo. Um, okay,
0: a- that is the thing. I will give them credit for that. So they basically redeem him inside of just a couple of episodes, which doesn't mm. ring true. And then I feel like they try to make up for it by having several episodes of consequences. And that I will admit, I do like that because... Mm. In a actually kind of a creepy scene, admittedly, Diabolico basically burns off Ryan's shirt and puts an animated snake tattoo on his back and tells him every time you morph, it's going to climb up higher until it gets to your neck and kills you.
1: Right. And that's a really,
0: that's a really like
1: evil thing to do to somebody.
0: Yeah. So it's like, oh, fine. You want to defy us? Here are the consequences. And what it really reminds me of,
1: honestly, is the idea that uh that started in Jew Ranger that got trying the with the with the original Green Ranger from Jew Ranger, mm. where every time uh, Barai? Barai, yeah. Every time Barai yeah. would use his powers, his life force would decrease. So mm. I yeah, like he had that a
0: limited c- amount of no, no, it was uh he would leave Uh, He would leave this pocket dimension and every minute he was outside the pocket dimension, he would lose a little bit more life. So it was,
1: it was, it wasn't the same, but it was similar. It was, it wasn't the same, but it was similar. But I like, but like you, I like the concept of this. I like the concept, but the way I would have wanted to see it is it carried as a through line throughout this entire season. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. something this big, like this, this revelation of this, of this long lost son who is turned over to the demons. I feel like that should at least have been carried through to like the, the halfway point or maybe the three fourth, mm-hmm. the, the, the one or the two thirds point
0: of the season. Yeah, but farther along in the show and then, and then make the maybe make the cobra thing go on a little bit longer too cuz he tries to keep it a secret and that creates a lot of tension and mm-hmm. sometimes he's reeling from it so he's not able to be a ranger i wonder if maybe part of what made these aspects of the story suffer was the budget constraints because making your own ranger suits expensive yeah whereas, making your own whereas with the main team they just had them shipped over from so- japan
1: so maybe they wanted to do all of this. Maybe they wanted to carry it a little bit further. They just couldn't afford to.
0: Yeah. That because might have been I don't, part of it.
1: Because I don't know what kind of money Saban was playing with at this point in the, in the, in the franchise.
0: <laughs> Given some of the behind-the-scenes drama we've heard about, apparently not enough.
1: <laughs> not enough. Yeah, not enough money. Not enough money. Um, but that's really all I had to say about the Titanium Ranger. If you, if you have you yeah
0: Yeah. Well, th- then what they do is they send Ryan on a pilgrimage. They keep him around. He helps fight mm. the demons for a bit. They fix the cobra. And then and then he says, "I have to figure out where they came from." So, I'm going to have to leave, guys. I'm still going to get credited as a main cast member even though I'm not here, but I'm going to go, guys. I'm still
1: going to be talked about by the team so that it yeah. still stays top I, of mind for the audience, but okay. Yep.
0: Yep. I got to go, guys. And, you know, I'm going to go find the sorcerer of the sands who seems really out of place for this show. And then Diabolico is literally going to kill him by turning him to dust. That was a little shocking. I have to admit when I watched that, I'm like, Oh, frick! they actually killed him. He's completely out of place, but they killed him. (laughs) It's the fact that they did it. That's the part that,
1: that's the part that amazes me. So Nathan, that was our Rangers. Uh, This team is solid uh, from what we've talked about. Uh, it's. Just it's a good cast all around, I would say. It is. It's a good cast all around. So now yeah, we get
0: falter. There's some falter faltering here and there with some of how they handle some of the storylines, but I mean it's all like I said, it's all good ideas just executed too quickly. So yeah. So now
1: we have to talk about our villains, which is usually my favorite part of of these discussions. And I will say this. Lightspeed Rescue has some of the best looking villains of
0: the Ranger franchise. I'll say best looking. I don't. I. I wouldn't call these the. I wouldn't call these great villains. I would say they're good, but I wouldn't call them great. Well, they don't do their job super well. So Mm, depends on which one we're talking about. Some of them are just really bizarre. Yeah, truly, truly bizarre
1: so but i think think what makes them i think what makes them interesting to me is the 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 level of depth there is to the conflict between all of our demons between all of our main characters
0: yeah which makes some things that happen later a little bit odd
1: a little a little but in this like we talked about in the sentai all of these are they're all related. They're all family members except for Jinxer. Jinxer is the butler. Uh, Jinxer is the one, is the only one not related. In the
0: Sentai, yes. and this, in the they're, they're not. In, the only ones in, who are related in this are Bansheera those, and Impus in. slash Olympius. The rest of them are basically generals,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we got loyal, uh, loyal warriors for Queen Bansheera. Yeah. So, since
1: you mentioned her, let's talk about the queen. Let's, because yeah, because
0: she she's b- technically the actual main villain. She doesn't show up as much.
1: She's there. She's a um. She uh to put it in to frame it in a way that people might understand. Much like the T Rex from Jurassic Park, she is a she is a looming presence just doesn't show up a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because early on, she's just a disembodied voice who's yelling at people, telling them what to do. The thing that's hilarious is the their whole motivation is they want to blow up the city because they've been entombed for so long and they escape from Egypt, what looks like Egypt, and then they go to what we're, we're to presume is America. It's so all like, how did you get from there to there? But, okay, i got to have ancient Egypt because everything evil comes from ancient Egypt, apparently. <laughs> Indiana Jones has taught me a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the, the old mummy movies have taught me that. So they, uh, so they come there. Even though they already have their own little, you know, dime store Castle Grayskull, I, they want to build their palace where it used to be but now Mariner Bay is there. Okay. So this whole season is a land dispute. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. It's, it's the old, it's the old owners got arrested, went to jail, and now they got out of jail and now they've discovered that somebody else is living on their land even though they didn't technically buy it from them. So now they're like, "That's my land. I'm gonna uh, you got to give me back my land." I'm not giving you back my land and then a lot of shooting starts happening. I mean So this <laughs> is
1: the so this is the ultimate get off my lawn season <laughs> of Power Rangers.
0: <laughs> it's just that you just have to question who's actually the one who could say, get off my lawn. Is it the demons? Is it Mariner Bay? I mean, you could have played around with that where it could be like, who really owns the land here, but we're meant to sympathize with Mariner Bay and the Rangers. Cause they're the good guys. So I was just like, so are we and saying- I would say like, and I would say, eh, it belongs to them now. And you're a bunch of evil demons. So, <laughs>
1: so are we saying that the, the inhabitants of Mariner Bay are the colonizers? <laughs> oh,
0: no, 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 no. Uh, I don't necessarily want to go there, but you could go there. So uh, you're trying to say the demons are, are metaphoric natives who got kicked off their land
1: i'm just i'm just reading into it sir i am just i'm just trying to i'm just trying <laughs> I, to pull. i think
0: you are english majoring a little too hard there
1: <laughs> i'm just trying to pull whatever i can pull out of here because th- you know this podcast is not just a review show it is an analytical discussion about uh, this
0: is true i can see how you could you could view it that way but uh, obviously the show wants you to sympathize with the people who are there, because yeah. unlike, because c- unlike, say, uh, you know, natives who are displaced by colonizers, it's very apparent that the demons are evil, and right. even though they don't necessarily tell us what they were doing when they were there, we know they were evil and they were sealed away because of that. And right. Then, so
1: making so making the comparison is probably really not even fair and in, or, and borderline offensive. Yeah. Uh,
0: potentially but it's an interesting but it's an interesting idea and i think if this had perhaps been maybe say the boom studios comics they might have played around with that a little
1: maybe maybe if 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 the demons if the demons were just a little bit more i guess nuanced Nuanced or sympathetic
0: because they are nuanced like we do get there's a little bit of nuance but Compared to say Trakina and Astronema right. and Ecliptor and villains like that. Not really. They might, I think they probably have a little bit more than say the moon crew, but yeah, they have, um, cause I've talked about lightspeed rescue being
1: a little bit of a return to form for, for power Rangers, uh, in, in a, in a lot of ways, like comparing, like comparing, and contrasting it with the original mighty Morphin. it's, there's a lot of similarities there, right? Uh, so they are a little bit more demons, the demon family or the demon crew. I don't know. The demon
0: crew just sounds cool.
1: The demon crew. (laughs) That's their band name. That's their, (laughs) yeah, that's their metal band. The demon
0: crew. (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's a meme for (laughs) you. The demon crew. Hold that.
1: Hold that thought while I write that down. The demon. I've got like six memes already.
0: (laughs) they do so look they, like uh, they actually they do actually kind of look like they could be a metal band don't they
1: <laughs> well they look like um they look like they would be like an alternative kind of like a, a guar cover band possibly <laughs> uh like maybe i don't know uh
0: <laughs> what diabolico is there as their singer and uh, loci is their guitar player and and they're, they'll be really progressive and have Viper play like bass or drums or something. You
1: know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, no so- jinxer
0: jinxer plays bass and then, and Viper play uh, is their drummer. Yeah. Jinxer would <laughs> have to play. Uh, Cause girl drummers are cool. There yeah, aren't very many dr- of them, but girl drummers are cool. Girl Just drummers at, are awesome. It. just look at skillet skillet's got a great girl drummer
1: (laughs) i have i've known a lot i've known a quite a few girl drummers in my lifetime and they they've all been awesome people uh but as i was saying before the the villains in Lightspeed rescue are a little bit more nuanced than say the moon crew but they're not as nuanced as you pointed out as like astronomer and ecliptor and arconda and you know these other like really famous villains terkina uh, that we just talked about in Lightspeed Rescue, or not? Jeez, in Lost Galaxy, sorry. Um, in Lo- we talked about Lost Galaxy, they're not as you know nuanced uh, as yeah. those, but they are very like stereotypically evil. Like they're yeah, th- they, they're
0: st- but it's because they're demons. It's I've joked before right. about how there are certain kinds of characters where you don't have to explain why they're evil the joke is that it's vampires and nazis i would throw demons in there as well like you just say my villain is a demon you don't have to explain anything else yeah i think aside from that
1: because i think that that plays into Because Demons, this is a very, like, we we talked about this earlier. This is a very, like, westernized feeling. This is the most western-feeling Power Rangers series that we've gotten so
0: far. Yeah, which is interesting because, I mean, you've seen more of Go-Go 5 than I have, but I'm guessing they're not all that much different.
1: They're not. They're not that much different. It's a pretty, uh, I mean, as far as, like, Sentai goes, it's the most unabsurd of the ones I've seen so far.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So Queen Bansheera, who's originally a disembodied voice, and then they try to revive her once in a in an episode with a sequence that must have been made by people on drugs.
1: <laughs> How that did For- not get the attention of parents and those moms groups that we like to joke in- about. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I was like, where were you when you? Where are all you anti Zed moms? Did you forget about the? And it, it it sticks out. That sequence is just incredibly weird because it's this whole season is so weirdly straightforward. And then it gets takes a left turn into weirdness there. But I'll save that for the awards. But anyway, and then they they're only able to partially resurrect her. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes this weird. Like, do you remember the uh, the quintessence from Transformers? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah, looks yeah. like a quintesson with one head. Yeah, 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 yeah. With yeah, one yeah. face, I should say. You know,
1: she re- she reminds me. Was it um Was it War for Cybertron that had did they have the quintessons in War for Cybertron? I think it was season two.
0: Yes, or, uh, I think see, so. It was.
1: It wasn't siege. Yes. It was. Yeah, was I
0: uh, Earth Rise. It,
1: Earthrise. There we go. They yeah. were in Earth. They were in Earthrise, I believe. Yeah. And um, the the quintesson that ends up taking over is has a female voice, mm-hmm. and so that's what this kind of reminds you of a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in, she's actually kind of weird like that. It's kind of interesting. I'm always kind of fascinated by villains who are handicapped in some way. Mm you know, and like in her, it's like she's just she's partially reborn, so she can't really do anything. She could float around and yell at people. That's and flail some tentacles. That's about all she could do.
1: <laughs> but how? But but the way she you know obtains her bodily form later makes me wonder why didn't she just do
0: that to begin with? Yeah, that is also very true. Maybe it, it took her that long to figure out she could do that and maybe she was also thinking yeah i need to keep my minions around
1: and maybe. then she just
0: got fed up with them
1: maybe she just got aggravated yeah she or maybe she oh, was but trying. she's also
0: but although she doesn't seem to necessarily feel all that bad about making her minions fight with each other she kind of encourages it
1: no she's she's there she they they look to her as sort of like the queen mother or something yeah
0: like that. she is very very Lady Macbeth. I am I know it's weird that I'm going to talk about Shakespeare with Power Rangers, but she's very much like a Lady Macbeth, where she's constantly you, manipulating people to get more power.
1: I was going to say, what do you mean by that? But you just said it. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah she, she's, she's. The thing is, is that other than Viper, uh, all of the rest of these villains are male. And mm-hmm. that's what Lady Macbeth is. She manipulated her husband and kept pushing him down the path of darkness basically so that he could be more powerful. And by extension, she would be more powerful mm. that she was using her feminine influence to, uh, to get these men to do what she wanted. And that's basically what she's doing here. She's just, she, they're just toys to her. I don't think she, even her own son, she doesn't really seem to care. She's just tr- getting them to do things for her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She, she really is heartless. She's really a heartless bitch. Honestly, Um, which <laughs> yeah, will... I don't
0: like throwing that word around the list. I think it's deserved. Yep, she she deserves it. She deserves I mean, it, she, and they call and they call it out. They it was like, "You have no heart." Like in the last few episodes, like you have no heart.
1: <laughs> yeah, that'll play into my awards later. But yeah, uh, queen yeah. Queen Ben Queen Bansheera has one focus, and that is to to resurrect her <laughs> palace. <laughs> Give me and back a, my basically <laughs> land. Basically, <laughs> to resurrect her palace. be palace. I,
0: my gosh, what? What a diva she is. I'm like, someone give Queen Bansheera a reality show. Like, (laughs) because all she wants is a new body and a big house. That is all and she will manipulate everyone to get it. My (laughs) gosh, there you go. The power a Power Ranger spinoff. The Queen Bansheera show.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. No, the real the real it's the real housewives of Mariner Bay.
0: Or Skull Castle, the real The Real Housewives of, of Skull Castle. The real, the, yeah, The Real Housewives. <laughs> I am <was>, is... <laughs> just picturing like those cutaway scenes where they're interviewing the people on the show, and Diabolico is just like, "I can't stand that wench. Ah! She used to be really good, and now look what's going on with her." And then you know, Jinx is like, "Oh, my queen, she is back, but I don't know what to do. Oh, she's telling me to do so much, so many horrible things." <laughs> <laughs> the viper just comes on and shows off the midriff because she is the mistress of midriff. <laughs> like, she's the we'll rebellion.
1: Get- yeah. She's the, re- she is the, uh, she's the housewife. That's going through a midlife crisis.
0: <laughs> she's like, she's working on. Oh, oh, she's, oh, Don't say that. She hates that. Remember that was like one of her sticky points. We'll talk yeah, about she, that when we get to her, but right.
1: She's, uh, <laughs> she's the, she's working on her post divorce body. She's like, <laughs> She's you know, she's getting everything together, you know, she's working out more, you know, going to the club and having some emotional. Buying a her new girls. car. Buying a new car, yeah. yeah. Uh.
0: <laughs> Fan fiction writers, get on this. <laughs> hey, uh, hey Carl, Carl, you want a fun spin off for the audio drama? <laughs> Boom studios, I know you're listening. Give us a comedy comic like this. <laughs> <laughs> the Real Housewives of Mariner Bay. There we go.
1: <laughs> Sorry, oh, Queen bo-
0: Bansheera. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Um, oh, but, uh, but yes. But then we get Queen Queen Bansheera does get her final form later, and she nightmare fuel. is nightmare fuel. Good grief! Again, where were the moms' groups? <laughs> <laughs> How did Queen Bansheera not give the same children who were scared of Lord Zed nightmares? She's terrifying.
1: It's it, true. It, it, In
0: a very, it, it's like it's like a very twisted version of femininity, which is what she is the entire time. She's a twisted woman, you know. Mm. And we see her because like, she's got really long fingernails that are like blades, and then she can stretch them out like tentacles no perverts <laughs> no anti for you but uh it, it, not to mention the CGI is bad when she does it <laughs> you know, and and uh, well uh, she's booksome and she's got some cleavage and the, that corset has a has a very scary top you know with the kind of like the the fang looking things that are housing the the, the girls <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, she, she's uh, saying the booba talks.
1: I should. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely like this. I think you put it best. She's definitely like this twisted, this twisted vision of femininity. Um, yeah. Yeah, she definitely is. Like, it, yeah. It, it seems, well, and it's, and
0: what's funny is even when we get to the final episode and the Rangers predictably have a showdown with her, it's a little underwhelming because it doesn't little. last very long and it's still mostly just her telling. The minions to do things. I mean, at least Lord Zed can handle himself in a fight. She gets taken out in basically two moves. (laughs) She gets yeah, she
1: gets distracted with a helmet and then kicked, and then that's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, she then she tries to drag Carter down with her into what's well, let's not sugarcoat it. It's hell.
1: (laughs) It is a metaphor. Yeah, it's a metaphorical hell where apparently No, I think
0: it's a literal hell. It's a I little. Mean, it, it, the portal is a sarcophagus covered in human bones.
1: It <laughs> is a portal to hell,
0: where apparently <laughs> it's the hell mouth. It's the hell mouth. Where's Buffy when you need her?
1: <laughs> where apparently uh, this is where all the the past monsters have been defeated. And At go- least the
0: demons. They, they call it the shadow world. I'm a little confused on that, but yeah. anyway, that's uh, that, uh, we'll talk about that later, maybe. But yeah, so uh, but I think that's the whole point. She's using her influence mm-hmm. as a queen, as a a female to get all of these other characters to do stuff for her. So she doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then we have, do we want to talk about her son or do we want to talk about Mr. Diabolico? I
1: think we think? can talk. I tell you what, let's talk about, let's talk about Diabolico and Impus or Olympias in tandem because they have sort of a rivalry from the start.
0: They do, but good grief, Impus and Olympius. Good grief, that character. He is he has a borderline Oedipus complex. Explain to me what Oedipus Complex uh. is. It comes from a Greek play, and it became. uh, There's a character in a Greek play. It's called. It's Oedipus Rex. It's a tragedy, Greek tragedy, and it's a psychology term coined by Sigmund Freud.
1: Oh, is this the one where it's like your mother's the root of your problem,
0: kind of thing? It also, for anybody who has kids listening right now, I'm sorry. Basically, the because the in the play
1: oh no i know what you're. never mind i know what you're gonna say but but in the
0: play oedipus when he was born there was a seer who told the king and queen who was his parents that he would eventually grow up and uh told the king he's gonna grow up and kill you so the king couldn't bring himself to murder his own son newborn son so he gave the son to a servant who was supposed to take the boy, uh, take the baby out into the woods and kill him. The servant couldn't do it, so he just left Oedipus in the woods to die. Mm. Oedipus was found. He uh, was found by someone else and raised, and then eventually he does kill the king and take the throne, but he doesn't know that he's actually the prince and the king doesn't know that that was his son, and he does take the queen as his wife. And Not they, realizing and
1: it look, that it's actually his mother. And they probably do what husbands and wives Yes, do. they
0: do. And once that is all revealed and his brain just can't process this because there's this famous passage where he's saying, you know, it's like, uh, you know, my wife, my mother, my sister, my mother, that sort of a thing. He is so appalled at what, at the immorality that he has committed. He gouged out his own eyes.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, so Freud termed the phrase Oedipus complex because he honestly believed, and this is not something that is, this is not a concept that modern psychology, as uh, you know, believes in anymore, for the most part, anyway. And that is that little boys that a lot of their issues stem from their relationship with their mother, because Freud viewed son's relationships to their mothers as being inherently sexual well I'll, okay. I'll put it that way okay so that's all you given, that's all you but, know.
1: That's, that's, all that's all I'm going to uh, get into uh, it yeah cuz we've probably got family yeah. listeners so but well,
0: let's, yeah let's but go. it's a, like I said it's a borderline oedipus complex he is very much a mama's boy very Good grief all he could think about is pleasing his mother most of the season yeah uh, it's kind of gross at points it works for this character i'm not saying it's a it makes him a bad character it's just kind of gross well it
1: turns having, him in it turns him into a, sort of it turns him into a,
0: into a sycophant it uh, really uh, does i mean but like like which is sad because his first episode he's very cunning yeah he's very cunning he's very powerful and his whole thing is that i can shape shift so i'm gonna shapeshift and sneak onto the aqua base because they have to because the demons apparently the demons weakness is water they don't like water that's why the aqua base is underwater so they Mm. can't get to it and i had all thing about that because water very traditionally is used to ward off evil things you know famously the wicked witch of the west is water soluble and purify (laughs) yeah or it can be used to purify uh, of holy water vampires don't like holy water traditionally water is very symbolic of cleansing and pure and uh, purity renewal refreshment yeah yeah and uh, and a lot of western culture so it actually makes sense that they would do that still a little odd so he does that so he can sneak onto the base and then unfortunately he kind of botches it because he doesn't know he breaks the kayfabe way too easily (laughs) and doesn't remember to do things like Figure out certain details that won't give you away, but but anyway, all of that to say, yeah, he's he's sycophantic. He's a mama's boy. It's a little annoying, but it fits the character. And I think with this kind of a setup for the villains, character like this is to be expected.
1: You know, at this point, at this point, though, like all the other demons have failed, like Diabolico is you, we're you're introduced to Diabolico in the first episode as he's basically
0: the, our goldar
1: as as our goldar but when, at first you're introduced to him and you assume he's the leader because he's he's just this big overly embellished uh design mm-hmm. uh and, he, and yeah, he's very th-
0: his design I think might be my favorite out of the lot. Mm-hmm. Cuz yeah. it's it's a it's very Western, but also very Japanese at points too, because he's got the big Rams horns look that we, uh, that Westerners associate with demons, but he's, but then he's got a whole other face on his chest with a big open mouth.
1: I think I like his. I think I like Diabolico's supercharged version a little bit better, uh, because it's a little bit more over the top and elaborate in the proportions to it me. is, but and,
0: it's also a little bit more streamlined
1: as well. Mm-hmm. it's a little bit more reptilian. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, Olympias is Olympias. You could say that he is modeled after a dragon from his, Oh, uh, that his,
0: the- uh, his uh, final form in the penultimate episode. Well, yeah, it's, obviously he a- looks like a dragon before that he looked like Destroya. A little <laughs> for a you little. Godzilla fans out there.
1: Yeah, a little. But I think you could you could draw comparisons to uh, for uh, even, in he, even when even Imp- when when he's Impus, when he's a baby, you know, he's wrapped up. You could draw comparisons to that and Western dragons mm-hmm. um, and then just kind of and then once he grows up to be Olympia's he does have some very like westernized dragon mm-hmm. qualities because mm-hmm. dr- dragons in the West look completely di- the view of dragons in the West and are completely different than what dragons look like in the East,
0: in Japan and yeah, China. Very, and very much so. And actually the choices of, I mean, Diabolico's name is pretty obvious. It's derived from the word diabolical. If Impis slash Olympias, those are interesting choices of names. I have mm-hmm. to say, because an imp, is a little mythical creature that would cause a lot of mischief. And then Olympias, that's Greek. Yeah. You know, it's derived from Mount Olympus. It's where the gods where, live. Where where the Greek gods were said to live. Mm-hmm. It's a very, like I said, it's a very interesting choice of names. And it actually makes sense that you go from Impus, you know, the little baby who's going to cause some trouble, to olympius because it sounds like such a regal powerful name and he's a sycophant so <laughs> i mean
1: he's a, I mean, he's, the, he's the heir to the throne
0: heir to the, thron. co- the favorite the- child at least for a minute
1: <laughs> right yeah he's he's the heir to the throne the favorite child because, which yeah which causes some- he
0: because what he doesn't realize is even his own mother really he's just a tool even to his own mother yeah once I want to mo- know who his father is. I'm a little scared to find out who the father is.
1: Master Vile. It's Master, it's, it's master, it's master Vile's uh, love master child. Master Vile,
0: you are the father. <laughs> so he's actually Rita and Rito's long-lost half-brother? Ew. Actually, to be honest, what I'm surprised they didn't do, I'm surprised they didn't make Diabolico his father.
1: I'm a little, sh- I'm a little surprised by that too, but they're, but in the Sentai, they're all related. They're all related Yeah, in the Sentai. They're all brothers and sisters in the Sentai, but like they're in that call. And the fact that, you know, Olympias and Impus, even when Impus, even when it's Impus and it's not, um, and it's not just, uh, and he's not in his fully formed and he's not, he's fully grown form. There is a lot of favoritism shown mm-hmm. to him.
0: Yeah, there's uh, a lot of tension throughout because Diabolico hates Impus when he's a little baby. because, it's like, "Oh, your mother loves you so much. She should be she should be favoring me, not you." And and then when he grows, you're, when you're he gets, you're a,
1: I think he calls him, uh, "You're a useless little you're a useless little child."
0: Yeah, or something. Yeah, but then he get, he grows up, and then he tries to do what Diabolico's been doing, and then he starts failing, and then his mother doesn't like. Doesn't like him, and then Diabolico comes back because Viper and Loke and Loci got fed up with everything, even though they didn't seem to care that Diabolico was gone, which is just weird. And so, they're like, We want Diabolico back because we're tired of this crap. And olympius literally tried to bury them alive, <laughs> you know, so he betrayed them because he wanted his mother's favor so he's eliminating all the competition so then we got diabolical back and then it seemed like well maybe Bansheera uh Bansheira will favor Diabolico now she doesn't really she's just you can't please the queen here <laughs> well
1: it's almost like it's it's almost like what you get with animals it's like they're they they the, the, sometimes you get a situation where the stronger one will kill its litter mates to gain favor to the mother to fight for uh the to fight for the position on the, at the mother's side to get milk, you know, mm-hmm. you're that's, it's common in the animal kingdom for litter
0: mates to kill mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. This is a trip. very, God, I don't want to say this is game of Thrones, but it feels a little bit like game of Thrones with the constant backstabbing and plotting and, sycophanting and just, it
1: leads it leads well in
0: game the game of thrones constant infighting there's so much infighting
1: well in in game of thrones too a, a brother and sister literally are have a baby together but anyway or multiple yeah, babies, mm, multiple multiple speaking babies. of
0: oedipus complexes but yeah. right uh but, it, but it,
1: yeah that's an that's another that's a podcast can we call, it,
0: a, can we call it the olympius complex there we go <laughs> the, the olympius complex here. the olympius complex <laughs>
1: but it does create some really unique tension between uh diabolico and olympius when Olympia when when impus grows up to be olympius um where uh, what is it? what i'm trying to remember what the episode was but where uh diabolico loses his star power and and it's handed over <laughs> the
0: more they said that the funny i it know sounded. <laughs> it did it,
1: it's loses his star power so he's not going to hollywood so
0: anyway <laughs> um, so he's a failed
1: actor at this point um
0: <laughs> That's why he's on the the real housewives of Mariner Bay. (laughs) It all
1: comes full circle. Uh, It's where the real housewives of Mariner Bay is where all the washed up demons go to try to restart their career. Um, So, so, you know, Diabolico, he, he, his star power is taken away and given to Olympias. And that causes some tension. um, And it causes some tension in the fact, in the, in the, in the viewpoint of Diabolico is very loyal to the queen. He is very, he is sworn to duty. He has sworn to serve the queen at all costs. And then the queen betrays him and he doesn't know what to do. Like his, his identity is a little bit shaken at that point. Cause he's always been this good soldier. He's been this, mm-hmm. this good, uh, he's been this good general all this time. And he thought that all of his, um, uh, All of his works had would be rewarded, but it turns out the queen doesn't give a damn about neither him or anyone actually neither any of them on the team. Honestly, it's all about a, it's all, it's all all about her, right? It's all power grab. So it does create some interesting tension between Diabolico and Olympias that kind of pays off in the end.
0: It does. Um, I just wish that when we got to the end, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit when we started to get those more sympathetic moments where they are, they're expressing more loyalty to each other. I wish that we had gotten a little bit more of that beforehand. When before it just seemed like all they were doing was just, they're just always butting heads and fighting. And mm-hmm. they, none of them really cared all that much about each other because they were all just trying to impress the queen. But then we find out later that they have some loyalty to one another in one form or another, some more than others. But I'm just like, it would have been nice to see that a little bit more, but yeah,
1: uh, speaking okay. of lo- speaking of loyalty, let's talk about Loki.
0: Yeah, and it's Loki, not Loki, even low-chi. though they spell it that way, which is a little confusing because depending on your level of nerd, you're either going to think Norse god or the hottest Marvel character. Cuz Loki's got some fans, man. <laughs> Loki's <laughs> got crazy fangirls. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I just. I mean, Tom, you know, hey, Tom. Hiddleston, I, I, I mean, I, Tom Hiddleston is a handsome man. I understand. Tom, Hid- Tom Hiddleston is a
1: beautiful man. Beautiful, beautiful man. My I ex-wife is still, I My ex wife loves but, Tom
0: Hiddleston. From what yeah, I'm just, I'm just.
1: But your well, Who? My ex wife loved
0: Tom. <laughs> oh, okay. Hiddleston. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say I understand, but you know, but so it's Lokai. I wish they had spelled it differently. Like if they had just made it L O K A I, then I would be yeah. like, okay, Lokai, I get it. But nope, they spell it uh l-o-k-i i'm like that's loki that doesn't fit here <laughs> but it, it, it's <laughs> he's just not it's, a god of mischief at it's all
1: a, it's what the, the, the it's the differences for differences sake i, I guess
0: it's <sighs> just messing with the pronunciation when they should have spelled it differently but he's eh, he's not the he, de, de, de. He's the sharp, He's not the sharpest rock in, in the in the he's, box. So, he's the he's the muscle. He's the meathead. He's the meat. He's a meathead. He's a lovable meathead. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's
1: a lug, but it's okay. Yeah. He's an it's oaf. okay. That's okay. Yeah, he, it's it's he's he's a lot more. He's a lot in. He's a lot in the vein of like Rito, where he's he's an idiot. He's a meathead, but he's also likable.
0: He's yeah. likable. He's also very loyal, but not in a sycophantic sense. Mm-hmm. It's not like Olympias where it's he's such a mama's boy, wanting his mother's favor. It, the, his is more of a, I am loyal to my queen. I am loyal to
1: my, I am loyal, not because of duty, but by choice.
0: Yeah, I, as I, I, I am loyal, loyal to for- my queen. My queen cares for me. You know the, it, there's, there's not a shred of pretense in him. No. He's a very simple character, but by cut but because he's simple, there's not a shred of pretense in him.
1: Oh no. And I think that I think the dynamic between uh him and Diabolico is similar to what we see with even the Rangers. It's a, it's a kind of a contra- a, com- a comparison you can make between the relationship between Loki and Diabolico as you can with some of the Rangers, because some of the Rangers, uh, in full first responders in general are bound by, you know, they're bound together in this kind of like pseudo brotherhood or pseudo yeah. sisterhood. Uh, yeah, for speed. sure. Yeah. And
0: then there's response. a, pl- there's a, there's a stretch there where he's hanging out a lot with, with Vipra. And I think it's supposed to be that they're kind of developing a bit more of a, you know, kind of a, a kinship because of everything that's going on. And I think I have to agree with Disney brain on this. As, as much as I have some issues with this season, I think that dynamic was done better in Wild Force. With Toxica and Jindrax. Yeah, I can see that. Which we'll talk about when we get there, but... So I see what they're trying to do here. I just don't think it quite gets there. Again, we're cramming every idea possible into this show. And it kind of stretches it a little thin at points.
1: A little. Yeah. But there is, there is at least one standout moment with Loki and uh, Diabolico
0: yeah which we'll talk about in the awards
1: that we kind of that that plays that pays all that off
0: yeah so so
1: so moving on and we've already talked about or we've already mentioned her let's let's talk about Viper.
0: let's talk Uh, about the mistress of midriff the the (laughs) mistress of midriff yes the one the one villain who actually gets a credit because you can see her face jennifer l yen don't take this the wrong way, lady, but you're prettier than you are talented. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe because no. you cause I don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, Jennifer Lynn, Jennifer Yen, excuse me, Jennifer L Yen is a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. I have seen she's a beautiful woman even in this ridiculous costume. I've seen pictures of her out of costume. Truly, a beautiful woman. Her performance is highly suspect, <laughs> huh. which is kind of which is kind of weird because she's the most proactive of the villains for about the first ten episodes.
1: Yeah, and what's funny is what's funny is they the the Saban thought it was a good idea to bring her back in a crossover next season. But we'll oh boy,
0: it. that which makes no sense. But yeah, uh, yeah, they
1: ra- they retconned so
0: they much. retconned hard. But basically. Uh, now there is a character who is she has a Sentai counterpart. And she's dressed the exact same way, and they had to cast an Asian actress because mm-hmm. sometimes you can see her face. And right. it, depending on how the Sentai footage is edited, you will it's see hard the Japanese. Tell. You will see the Japanese actress from a distance.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell the difference, honestly. And I'm not trying to make, and I'm really not trying to be like sound away a about it. I'm not trying to be offensive, but it's really hard to tell the difference because the Japanese actress looks very similar in bone structure and mm-hmm. like fa- and facial features. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: the the sentai actress was named Kaya Hirasawa.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also a beautiful woman. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: but mm-hmm. yeah, so basically Viper very much lives up to her. I don't know what her sentai counterpart's name was, but uh, she's it's Viper with a y because the 90s. Ooh. And she she looks like a D&D character. Like if you see like I try to remember there's a there's a famous fantasy artist who would draw characters like this all the time. These kind of these very voluptuous uh, fantasy women. And uh, she's uh, she she's got a lot of snake motifs. She has a helmet that looks like a snake head. She has big demon wings on her shoulders and we're, I'm still not entirely sure if they're real wings or if they're purely decorative. She has a big old breastplate, a bare midriff, and snakeskin tights. Her Sentai counterpart is
1: named Deen, Dennis, Dinus. D e D e n u s. Okay. Dinus. Deen,
0: Deen, I don't so, know. We'll go with that. But yeah. Frank Frazetta. That's the guy's name. Frank Frazetta. Very famous a very famous fantasy artist it looks like something she looks like a character he would design for sure
1: yeah very much she's very yeah
0: like like if you think of like the classical like a lot he did a lot of movie fantasy movie posters in the 80s so like like just picture like conan the barbarian it's that kind of a style that he was known for yeah yeah,
1: she she looks um she looks as though she could fit right in with some of the poster art I've seen on Tubi for some of those B rated uh <laughs> those B level uh, yeah sword and sandal yeah and,
0: and and her caliber of of uh, acting would get her on one of those too so oh I
1: mean okay so to be fa- to be fair to be fair she is a little dry I will say that she is a little dry
0: <laughs> like not just dry she does doesn't. It- effectively communicate the appropriate emotion she's it's just not quite there <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. ha 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 arise and live again i mean it's just it's so weird <laughs> yeah there's no I mean, i'm the, just like okay 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 uh jen at least you're pretty i just
1: <laughs> yeah there's no there's no real oomph <laughs> behind her voice so so yeah
0: no no, no, I she, mean, we, we've joked a lot about Rita, about Rita Repulsa, but there's oomph in that performance, <laughs> right? Um, a, li- a bit too much at points, but there's oomph.
1: <laughs> the last thing I'll say about Viper is she does have, uh, she does kind of have a story arc, uh, where when she wants, she, she wants to not go along with the queen, but it's never really fulfilled because. The queen absorbs her to become. Yeah, uh,
0: she does come to a rather unceremonious, tragic end. And yeah. I was a little disappointed with that. I was like, okay, the characters, the execution of this character is a little bit suspect. But the fact that she just kill her off so yeah. fast and unceremoniously felt a little cold, kind of. It's like,
1: well, I think that was the point, though. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be the point that she gets killed off so unceremoniously and cold? The, yeah. She just,
0: maybe, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it 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 makes sense that the character that the queen would be cold about it. I just felt like I just felt like the creators were being a little cold about it too. It's there's it like, oh, we need one of the characters to die so that the queen can get her body back. Uh, Vipra, <laughs> okay, no. Yeah. Okay. She was like I said only the most proactive of the villains for about the first 10 episodes so okay yeah
1: so now we have Jinxer which is our monster maker um and, and he's, he's
0: implicitly the butler
1: he's implicitly the butler but in the sentai he is he there is that scene he says i am the butler uh mm-hmm. i i am the butler to the demon family or the family and he, the, bas- the he family basically the family has a name lo- and i just can't remember it. Mm-hmm.
0: He basically looks like every Butler trope you've ever heard of mixed into uh, mixed into one, yep. Little little and even complete with a uh, giant mustaches that he can
1: kind of twirl, and he sounds oh, uh, like uh, this, <laughs> and it, that's what it is. He has the most. I just remembered it. He has he has the most random stereotypical uh, Butler name in the Sentai.
0: P. <laughs> 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 The only one, the only name that's more stereotypical for a butler is Jarvis, or Jeeves, right. <laughs>
1: right? Or Jeeves, yeah. But he, but his design is probably is out. Is I would say his design is hands down the the weirdest of of the of it, the. It of the main doesn't buildings. quite
0: fit with every. It doesn't quite fit with the rest of them. I mean, even Viper feels a little bit more on brand. With these demons, he feels a little, he doesn't feel, he feels a little bit off brand compared to the rest of them. A
1: little, a little. It's like he almost, it's almost like he could be a monster of the week and not as part, not part of the crew, you know? Maybe. Um, maybe. But he's. You
0: know, he's very loyal to the queen and to everybody. He makes, he has tarot cards that he uses to make the monsters and, or make them grow. And he speaks in rhyme he did uh, with he's very flamboyant he's a very flamboyant character with his crazy gestures and and he has big not quite muppet and, and he has and big, big muppet, muppet hands, hands and big yeah. muppet not, yeah 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 it's not quite around and around the way you go but uh you know yeah. he uh, does the funny rhymes when he does and he throws the curse. and because that's kind of the one of the styles of this show is you see literal debris from the monsters. And then he throws the card onto the debris and then it reform and then it turns into bats, reforms, and the monster is gigantic.
1: Yeah. So and he
0: basically just helps out whoever he thinks is the one he should be helping out. Sometimes he helps the queen, sometimes he helps Diabolico, sometimes he helps Olympias. He really likes to help Olympias.
1: He's definitely an opportunist he's definitely he's definitely like the opportunist character. Mm-hmm. He's he's mm-hmm. more pro he's more proactive than say than Finster or Clank or uh um uh Porto. He's a lot more proactive than those characters as a monster maker. He's just not my favorite. He is very he's he's very comical to watch, and there there is a mm. There is kind of a goofiness to him because he's got this really like really high pitched for it's probably not even doing it justice, but it's that's he's got not this re-
0: uh, that's not.
1: Yeah, he's pr- he's got this really high pitched voice and it's it's this really sniveling voice like this. And uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's a little bit closer. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's a little Jinx- closer. But. Yeah, Jinxer. He's our monster maker. You know, we can move on to the yeah, uh,
0: basically to the foot soldiers. Oh boy. Okay. The batlings, which are in the Sentai, if I understand correctly. The batlings are a really and mixed bag for me. Yeah,
1: they're called imps. They're called imps in the Sentai.
0: Oh, that makes that makes actually a little bit more sense. Okay. On one hand, these things are barely a step up from the Swabbies. The Swabbies are the dopiest looking foot soldiers and all the power rangers that at least that i've seen so far the Battlings are better but not by a whole lot they at least look less ridiculous and a little bit more intimidating but they look kind of they're clearly just dudes and covered head to toe in a morph suit with funny looking eyes and tiny wings on their backs and they make funny noises and things like which is a tow way thing like the shocker goons in Common writer make weird noises too. I've watched enough Common Writer at this point to know. Watch, uh, listen to Henshin Men people, but on the other hand, we have a situation much like with Lost Galaxy, where in mm-hmm. the finale they're elevated a bit.
1: Lost Galaxy, not, and, not, beca- and not, into,
0: not, not, yeah, not to the point. It's not like with the Stingwingers where it becomes a plot point. It's like, why are you killing all of them? So we're, we're going to care because you're just playing a game of attrition here. In this case, it's actually a very cunning move uh. that the demons make and kind of by accident almost because Jinxer just in his desperation just puts a a battling card on the leg of one of the Zords. And then mm. the Zord goes to the Aqua Base and you got to remember they can't get through the water. The Water is their weakness.
2: Mm.
0: So then he... It's one of those things, like, why did you think of this sooner? Well, they had tried to do stuff like that, I guess I should say. So then he activates the card, which unleashes a horde of batlings. So they're in the base. And they basically siege the base, take over the Megazord, and then use the Megazord to attack the Aqua Base. So they are their threat level is elevated quite uh, to, uh, even higher, even though they seem to be a little bit buffoonish mm-hmm. before this. So like I said, they get elevated in the finale. They become a very real threat and uh, ironically kind of use their own weakness <laughs> against the humans because they're, they're basically uh, trying to drown them.
1: Basically. Yeah, basically. So they're, they're so I- there's,
0: I- it's so much irony in that whole thing.
1: I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate the imps. I don't, I don't hate the battlings. Um, I don't hate them. I don't love them. They're just, they're serviceable foot soldiers.
0: Yeah. They're, they're no quantrons or putties. Those are the best yeah. ones I think.
1: Yeah. They're no quantrons. They're put, they don't have a personality like the tangas. Um, they're just, they're just foot soldiers. And the only, I feel, I feel like the only time they become meaningful is in that finale because they actually are organized and their threat level is elevated Mm -hmm. and it becomes a big deal probably because it becomes a big deal because there's just so many of them. Mm -hmm. The fact that
0: they're, the fact that they're clever enough to run the megazords is actually kind of impressive and Mm -hmm. run them effectively. Yeah cuz they run yeah. they run two of them.
1: I would say that it well, they control the well they control the Omega Megazord. We'll get there in a minute. Oh, we'll, get in a minute. <laughs> we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. but they also control the Life Force Megazord, which is an interesting name, which is interesting concept for a Megazord basically, and we'll get to the Zords in a second, but they link in to the Ranger. They link in through a collar and uh-huh. they use the life force to control the Zord. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming since the imps or since the the batlings are evil, they're using their evil life force to control the, the, yeah. the life force yeah. Megazord. And, and they just-
0: and and they're able to do it effectively. Like I said, they they attack the Aqua Base, they use the other Zord to set up the stone circle because these demons need a lot of very particular things in order to do all of their evil things, solar eclipses and planetary alignments. I'm like, you guys are so particular. You realize that? It's why does so, it, why does it so have picky. to be so particular with you people? They're so
1: picky. They're so picky. Can't you just cast a spell, open the gate, and
0: flood the world with, it? with, with monsters? With, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand that sort of stuff well enough. I, if we have any pagans listening, they'll probably tell us how ignorant we are. But. Probably. Yeah. probably so get on astrologers
1: <laughs> so let's move on let's let's move on and talk about the. i want to i want to make sure we're giving enough time at the end to talk about themes so let's move on and kind of get through these zords
0: oh the zords my friend there's a lot of them i think we there's have a- what about three different sets of zords
1: and they're all like sets of zords they're not just yeah. They're, yeah, they're they're all like there are three Zords that have five different Zords that
0: go to yeah. make the set, and it's it's a lot. And then a couple a of them will combine to make some power ups. And I just look at this stuff, and all I keep thinking is, it seems so simple in Mighty Morphin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one Mega Zord, just- <sighs> one secondary Zord that could combine, and then. Another secondary sword that was a carrier. And then they all combined together to make the biggest, baddest one. Seems so simple, but toys. That's one of the, that's one of the gripes
1: that I've had with some of these later seasons is because things become very complex, like very complex. Yeah. And the light speed, the light speed Megazord is a good effect. Don't get me wrong. I love, and I've told you this before off cast, I really like the lightspeed Megazord. I like the Light Speed Megazord, I think, more than the Turbo Megazord. Although it is vehicle themed, I think the light speed megazord just looks better. Aesthetically, it looks better. And mm-hmm. the fo- the formation sequence for the light speed res- the light speed megazord. I like that. I like that it's just not like boom we can combine it like it, they they mm-hmm. show the yeah. actual like the grappling hooks coming together mm-hmm. to pull mm-hmm. the zords in
0: yeah and this is also around the time that they start getting into using cgi i trying to remember did they do that in lost galaxy did they start doing that in lost galaxy or is it here uh
1: lost galaxy had some cgi but not as much as here
0: yeah now it's Only for things like the combining sequences. And even (laughs) then, and even then they don't do it all the time.
1: No, even then they don't use the CGI all the time. In fact, they use the, um, they use the walking, like where the, where the, the helicopter has to come down and and link up with the, Uh with, with the waist and the feet. They use that sequence more then they use like the CGI sequence, which I yeah. think is fantastic. i yeah. like, yeah, it, it, it. I equate it to, um, if you remember from the turbo movie, that very kind of mechanical, uh, uh, building of the Zord that was very like tactile. I, that's what this reminds me of. I mm-hmm. like that.
0: Yeah. Now what I like about this one is that, yeah, it's vehicle themed again, but this feels, and there was some, they did some stuff like this in turbo, but, uh, but here, it feels much more natural to what we're talking about because they're all basically rescue vehicles. And they're, there's a really cool, like, the second episode is really stand out because they don't use the Zords purely for combat. They actually use them like real emergency vehicles to rescue people. Like, it's mm-hmm. Lightspeed Rescue. So we actually get to see them not just be superheroes, we get to see them be public servants. So one's a fire truck and they extend they u- they extend the ladder to get into buildings so they can go in there and they can evacuate people. Uh, one is uh, is basically a hovercraft in the air. It's kind of like a helicopter and they use that to fly around and drop water on burning buildings and uh, you know so uh, they're they're using them practically. I it, and you know me, I like seeing uncombined Zord action.
1: I like. I like in that first that first episode where we get to see the combination like you had the uh, you had the combination where it's just the torso. It's just the fire truck and the legs, and they're using that to spray water on top of the volcano while, you know, Joel is flying the hover the hovercraft uh, trying to save civilians. Like, yeah. I like that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I almost wish we had gotten more of that, to be mm-hmm. honest. And then they'll combine and do the normal Zord thing and fight the monster and all that. And then, but then they actually integrate some of that into the Zord. Cause so, like, the extendo ladders become piston punches <laughs> for the Zord. Rocket punch, rocket punch, rocket punch. We play Marvel versus Capcom. You know what I'm talking about. Rocket punch.
1: <laughs> this, this Megazord is a lot more, I feel like it's a lot more mobile. Than past Megazords have been.
0: For sure. Because, well, this one is.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it it, ex, it can extend its hands out and and basically rotate. It can Yeah, like, there's rot-
0: some pretty wild sequences where it's fighting the monsters with these super long arms and it's just grabbing the monster and spinning it around. And it just It's kind it's, of it, funny. And it makes me just look at this like, man, Toei, you were. I don't even want to think about what you would have had to do to make that work. That's a lot of wires.
1: You, well, I'm sure, ins- I'm sure they had a lot of support wires for that thing. Yeah. Um, because the wire, I feel like the wire work in Lightspeed rescue, uh, is, is, is on par, if not better than a lot of different than a lot of other seasons, because mm-hmm. it is just the, like the special effects are just really well done mm-hmm. for the light, for the light zords
0: yeah yeah Um, so i like that one and then along with that one they had it was basically ryan zord which was the the max solar Solar zord Zord, yeah which it looks like a space shuttle and -hmm. it's solar powered Mm -hmm. and it can also absorb energy from the monsters and then do a supercharge move
1: which is pretty cool and i i think i texted you i think i texted you um right before we recorded. And I said, I really like the sound design in Lightspeed rescue because every time you get a monster or every time you get like a Zord that fires a beam, you hear instead of hearing like boom, 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 you hear mm-hmm. like actual energy moving through the atmosphere is what mm-hmm. it sounds like.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the solar Zord had a couple of modes. I'm looking at the list here. Yeah, so, you know, the Max Solar Zord had a train mode, a shuttle mode, which we talked about, and a warrior mode, because everything needs a warrior mode. Right. Looking at you, Danny DeVito Zord from Zeo. <laughs> and then we had the, light, the the Life Force Megazord, which I think was just a repaint. <laughs> That's how you get more toys out of it. You just repaint the old Zord. mm mm-hmm
1: yeah i like the light force magazine i like the design like the one
0: thing I, that i li- i question the logic of that system because like anything that has to tap into a pilot's life force i'm a little bit leery of
1: right but you know they're rangers they got plenty to spare um <laughs> the um the one thing i i will say like these have some these have some very like memorable zords like for like i like I don't feel like Lost Galaxy had very memorable Zords. Honestly,
0: I th- uh, the Galacta Beasts were memorable. I think the
1: Galacta Beasts themselves were memorable, but not like the Megazords were all that memorable. I actually get the Lost Galaxy Megazord confused with the Wild Force Megazord a lot. Um, yeah. So uh, well, it's and
0: not- admittedly, as much as I love in space, uh, the Astro Megazord is I think more memorable than the one that they had than the other ones.
1: I liked the astro megazord because of it's just it's just a one piece or two piece it's very
0: it's very simple and i like the simplicity which i think is why the the original megazord works as even though it's five things that combine there's it's simple
1: yeah yeah so, so the so the designs of these Zords are great. Um, one, we're just gonna, and then one more. We'll highlight the uh, what is it? The the, the super
0: rail res uh, the the super train Megazord. Oh
1: super boy. train Megazord. Because yeah. we
0: need trains in this one. I, I don't. I, I, the train one doesn't quite connect for me. But the, also, this train is was apparently made by Doc Brown because it can fly.
1: The train is the carry is essentially the carrier Zord that can also transform into its own like battle sword. It's just m- a massive like it's built like a football player. It's-
0: it is. It's big and it's slow, but it's it's just pure artillery. Yeah. Good lord, this thing. It can't move, but it's meant to just basically just plant its feet and and just shoot you with everything. <laughs> it just makes cuz it's just- like this thing is just it this thing is so 90s because it's just like rockets, 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 rockets. Oh, no, I'm going to shoot the train from my other arm and you will explode. I mean, it's just. Yeah. So it just makes
1: me wonder, did Jinxer and the demons learn that they need to make bigger monsters? Because I remember that debut episode for the Super Train Megazord and it just towering over those two monsters in that episode.
0: Yeah, but yeah. the the individual pieces really just blend together. I mean, they're they're literally just trains, uh, trains linked together and they can fly, but then they, they never do anything with them separately. Yeah.
1: They're just big black trains that have the the color. They
0: have their, they have the Ranger colors, but yeah, they
1: have the like accent colors, but they're not like different colored trains. They're just all black with accent colors. That's all. Yeah.
0: And then we have, I like this Zord, but I have issues with the name. Oh, come on. It works. It's so redundant.
1: It works, though. It's if we're talking about the Omega, Mega, Mega, Omega, Mega Zord. Lots of Megas.
0: Why can't it just be Omega Zord?
1: I mean, because you have Omega to have
0: Zord the, already sounds cool. It's like super you,
1: mega because force. you have to have the word Megazord in there.
0: And but it's, they, so, but it's like Super Mega Force. That sounds like the name of a Power Ranger parody. The Omega I'm Starting megazord. my Mega rant early.
1: <laughs> the okay, so I agree that the Zord would have actually made more sense, but they needed that megazord in there. They needed an actual brand. It's already megazord. there. It's part of the word. Omega Zord. I, I guess O wasn't enough.
0: Anyway, stupid name aside, (laughs) I I actually do like this one. These are a little bit more unique, and it has different modes. It has a crawler mode, which is when it assembles. That one's done with CGI. It actually Mm -hmm. looks pretty cool. In fact, in one of its earliest episodes, they use it to basically do Armageddon.
1: (laughs) Basically, yeah. Without
0: Bruce Willis. They send it off into space uh, to a meteor that is about to it's gonna hit Mariner bay and they plant a bomb in it to blow it up and so you know it's got a really good debut episode it does it's a
1: good looking Zord. um i'm not a s i'm not really a fan of its it it always cracked me up whenever the like the headpiece would form and it would just pop out like it was a like it was a um um i don't know, like it's a piece of cardboard i guess i don't know i just uh or a a a a, a like a, no 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 like it was a what's what's those little things you used to do like origami there we go origami, origami okay. yeah it was like or, it was sort of like origami but yeah anyway um but I guess the Shogun Megazord heads more like work. anyway I'm getting I'm getting off, sidetracked here hard but the Omega <laughs> the ol, the Omega Megazord because now I want to call it the Omega Zord. um the Omega Megazord is a is a is a cool design um it has a big part to play in the end where it's the one you know they it's the one that the batlings and jinxer take over to form the the circle of stones that have to resurrect Uh the queen's palace so Uh
0: uh-huh which is yeah you
1: could say that it was the you know that was you know that was the alpha and the omega part of the i don't know (laughs) <laughs> There's a joke to be had there, but maybe I'm just not worried. That
0: does make me wonder why wasn't there an Alpha Zord? That would have Alpha Zord sounds pretty cool, actually.
1: Oh, like have it like two warrior, like two warrior zords, sort of like the uh
0: hold on. Here's what so here's how you could have did it. Okay, here you go, Saban. This is what you should have did. The final combined form is the Omega Zord, and then all the individual pieces are codenamed after Greek letters
1: oh there we go so you can
0: have like uh, so like you know uh you know like carters can be alpha and then the next one is beta and you can have gamma and just just you know so it's like the first five letters of the greek alphabet and then when they combine they're the omega zords there you go <laughs> i just solved the problem you
1: just solved the problem too bad that it'll never happen and boom studios will nope <laughs> but
0: there you go um So that's the Zords. Uh,
1: We can move on to Monsters of
0: the Week if you want. Yep. I got a handful that uh, I wanted to highlight here. Uh, My first entry is it's kind of three in one because it's you can't really I can't really separate them because they were a trio. Mm -hmm. So he had demonite and I actually thought it was because he was a knight. So I'm like, oh, it's demon knight. Mm -hmm. Two separate words. Nope. It's I looked it up. It's all Put together like he's a tiny demon, so demonite, yeah. Like, come on, you ruined the pun. Come on, it's it's, it's supposed to be a pun, and you ruined the pun. But whatever. And then Thunderon, that is his name, and then Falcar, yeah, and then Falcar, who's a falcon and apparently Falkor? a pole dancer in one episode. So, did you say <laughs> Fal?
1: Did you say Falcor or Falcar?
0: Falcar. Oh, okay. You you missed the part where I said he was a pole dancer because he put it in oh, his, okay. his staff and he put it down and he spun on it.
1: <laughs> so he's the he was the never ending pole dancer?
0: Yes, yeah, the never ending pole dancer. You, you know what? You're getting that for that joke. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And so they're all pretty cool by themselves, and then they get combined into i don't know if it's trika or troika i've seen it spell a couple different ways i think they kind of go back and forth on the pronunciation i think it's
1: troika i think it's supposed to be troika i think so but they do go back and forth on the on the yeah
0: but then the weird thing is they were easier to beat when they got combined into one monster (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's it's good design i I, like it design and they used them effectively
1: yeah, I think I told you uh I told you this before we started recording, or else I may have said it on cast. I don't know. Um, like Lightspeed Rescue has some of the most interesting looking monster designs. They're all like demon-based. Like you can tell they all share a very similar design vein. But sure. they're but but they are unique in in the world mm-hmm. of like Power Rangers villains where you get um you you either get like some kind of animal or like it's obviously an animal or something like in space did in space did a lot of like bugs i feel like in space did oh, a lot yeah. of like bug designs so this it was this the demons and the demon creatures the demon kaijin Kai, i think kaijin um in this are are pretty nice i think i'm for my monster of the week i want to bring up uh trifire which is a which is a fun one because it's also kind of a, a literary reference because it's essentially Cerberus. Mm, uh mm-hmm. the th- the three headed dog.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh which makes it the, sense because that was the because it guarded the underworld. The yeah, it guarded the underworld.
1: the underworld. Uh it guarded the entrance to the yeah, it guarded hell. Uh and the well, the, the um,
0: underworld.
1: Whatever. Hell, the underworld, it's all the same thing. Um but mm, not really, but sure. It lives in a vault vo- <sighs> Marchand? it it, um it lives
0: actually (laughs) it
1: it lives in a volcano i just think the design is cool and Mm -hmm. it actually it has a tag team partner uh if you want to bring up the tag team partner uh oh magmavore
0: magmavore yeah who looks like a recycled ecliptor costume (laughs) red ecliptor yeah (laughs) it looks like red ecliptor when i first saw like is that a Recycle the costume? What? <laughs> That's the only reason I—he's memorable for me. He comes back twice. Mm-hmm. Well, he comes back once. He's used twice, but he looks like a clipter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but he's a basically a big volcano golem.
1: Basically, I think he's called a golem. I think he might be called a golem or something in the Sentai. I can't remember mm-hmm. though. Um. Mm-hmm. So the next one I see it here on your list. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I, I see it on your list. They attempted Evil Rangers again.
0: Yeah, side, kind of, the Cyborg I, Rangers, which it's an interesting concept. Although it's one of the, it's a very middling attempt at the Evil Ranger trope. Yeah, it's better than the Dark Rangers. You know, Luchasatsu. Yeah, it's more interesting than the Mutant Rangers.
1: But it'll never reach the heights of the Psycho Rangers.
0: But it's not the psychos. Yeah, it's not the psychos. But the idea is that these are robots, and they're trying yep. to replace the Rangers with robots. And doesn't work. Yeah, predictably <laughs> doesn't work. Robots. Have, uh, robots have issues. Mm-hmm. But you know, I appreciated that they that they did something. Anyway. It was a
1: nice. It was a nice try. We'll say that yeah. it was a nice try. And, th- and that is not in the Sentai either. They're not like there are no mm-hmm. evil Rangers in the Sentai. So this is totally a, uh, uh this is totally a Saban thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause they're like,
1: well, we have extra costumes. <laughs> pretty pretty much. We're just going to slap some doodads on them and call them the cyborg Rangers.
0: <laughs> Cause why not?
1: <laughs> why not? <laughs> so what else you got?
0: Uh, I have, uh, okay, well, t- let's talk about, well, uh, let's just use this as a, as a segue to talk about the crossover, but I have monster Trakina is what I put it down as. Okay. I figured
1: you, I figured you'd go the, to the spellbinder, but cause that's an incredible, uh, we'll, stay-
0: we'll talk about the spellbinder here in a bit, but okay. So, and I know that this is a complete recontextualization because I think in Gogo 5 this monster is just one of the demons mm-hmm. but we have the mandatory crossover and let okay. me tell you the bar gets set so high by the one in Lost Galaxy that good luck topping it they try it here it's a two-parter mm-hmm. Trakina's revenge and it so falls Trachina, completely flat yeah it should have been better than it is now they use sentai footage and so this happened in the sentai yeah <sighs> But from what I understand, nobody from Lost Galaxy wanted to make this. Yeah. They barely got Danny Slavin in it. Well, there was some contract disputes with him. Amy Miller, who played Trakina, just flat out said no. So they had to recast her, which is why Mm -hmm. Trakina, at least they acknowledged the fact that Trakina is supposed to be dead. Yeah. Because they show you flashbacks.
1: Yeah. So maybe and, she's disfigured from yeah, the. Yeah, she's
0: disfigured. And, you know, and you know, she So she's wearing a mask because it's to hide the fact it's a different actress, but it, it makes her voice sound a little different. So I think, but so it's kind of like a Darth Vader thing. So I'm guessing she was injured. Her face is messed up. She can't breathe as well. So she's wearing the mask. So, like, that's fine. I can go along with that. But her whole. The rest of the episode just falls flat. The Galaxy Rangers are barely in. In fact, a couple of them don't even show up until part two. The, the, the they, whole
1: episode hinges on this annoying little girl.
0: A Kenny. We get a power Kenny. A power Kendra. A power Kendra or power Kelly. I mean, Carter has some nice moments with her, but it feels so much like a, it's a Lightspeed Rescue episode with a goofy kid. And it yeah. the like the Galaxy Rangers feel like such an afterthought. Yeah. Even though sure. it's Trakina, they're fighting Trakina, who
1: who should be this, it should be this epic thing, but it's just kind of meh.
0: Yeah. And she gets help from Olympias and the demons because she's trying to she, doing what she was doing before. She's trying to be more powerful. So she basically gets turned into kind of a an insect demon hybrid. And it was more than even she was expecting. Mm-hmm. Which does make it which does paint Trakeen in a little bit of simp- a little bit of a sympathetic light. It makes you hate Olympias quite a bit for it. Because he basically deceived her. And there's there is a nice scene where the Red Rangers team up, so that's cool. But considering how it gets the behind the scenes drama and how they really don't do anything with the galaxy Rangers. It just falls flat. Yeah. Even at the end, when Joel's trying to flirt with Kendrick's and Maya, it just falls flat. Oh, absolutely. It's such a disappointment. And I, cause I'm looking, it's like, I can see how this would have been great, but well, it, just, it doesn't work. There's the,
1: there's the shell of a great episode here. Like on paper, There's the shell of a great episode here. It's just execution and the cast wasn't on board. They didn't want to do it. Uh, They couldn't get Amy Miller. It's just, it just, honestly, this is probably as a, as a sequel crossover for what we got in Lost Galaxy because Lost Galaxy was the first crossover we got for the franchise no,
0: is- no, because the Zero Rangers teamed up with the Alien Rangers, but
1: well, OK, it
0: was, that was when the annual tradition started
1: the annual. OK, so we'll say this. The annual tradition started with with uh, Lost Galaxy. <sighs> this is pretty forgettable.
0: It is now the monsters. Uh, Monster Trakina is cool. Monster yeah. Trachina is nightmare fuel, like a, a, right. on a borderline Lovecraftian level, because good grief. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's That's it's, the that's the and and then the fight with the Zords is pretty cool. Cuz the yeah. lights of Orion power power up the lightspeed rescue Zord. So there's cool stuff that happens. It's just the story just falls flat and the sentai footage has to kind of carry the weight of everything. Right. Yeah, right. it just it doesn't work, unfortunately. Should have been better. Should have been should've.
1: better. Yeah, it should have But been- then
0: yes, but then I have you were hinting at it, Spellbinder because good Lord Spellbinder is weird. Spellbinder is so weird and we'll talk about uh, about him a little bit more in my awards, but he's speaking gibberish and performing demonic ceremonies and apparently he's a wizard and he can actually fight the rangers because he does.
1: It reminds me that I ever tell you the story about the time I did the haunted house and I went a little bit too far with it. Yes. Okay. It reminds me of that.
0: You, you just went a little too crazy. You want to share the story or just move on?
1: Uh, okay. So long story. I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast. I know I've shared it with you. Well,
0: you know what? Save it for when we talk about the awards because Spellbinder is one of my awards. Okay, fine. We'll do that. Yeah, right, we'll do I'll that there. It. And then finally, and then finally, we have to talk about, oh, uh, Michael Hamilton. You were a monster of the week. What? 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 Uh, 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 the gatekeeper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes i am the monster of the week i will destroy your fandom at all costs. a little bit of an inside joke people if Let you
1: don't you. agree with me i will lock you in hell with the rest of the demons the
0: shadow world
1: the shadow whatever hell shadow world it's all the same dang thing
0: <laughs> actually you got locked back there for a little while too because the queen didn't like you Oh yeah, well, whatever. But then okay. you figured out how to get out, and then you picked a fight with the Rangers in a graveyard. Yeah. So,
1: okay.
0: but I like, but yeah, I've all joking aside. Yeah, it's a little bit of an inside joke. We've been calling Michael the, uh, a gatekeeper in the Tokusatsu and Kaiju fandom. In fact, we even elevated you a little bit. You are Lord Gatekeeper.
1: I am Lord
0: Gatekeeper. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. So when I. When I was watching the show, like the gatekeeper, and my first thought was you. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know how to take
1: that, but thank you.
0: (laughs) But he's a cool design. I like. I I liked him. He's a cool design, and it's an interesting concept. The shadow world is a little bit weird. It it was the entrance meant to look like a a, a facade, like a literal facade, like uh, that you would see in a stage play. That was the actual gate. Maybe. I guess. I mean, that's kind of cool if that's what you meant. Because it's yeah. a, you know, it's supposed to be the surreal plane anyway. Although it does kind of complicate ranger lore a little bit because we had seen a monster graveyard before. Mm-hmm. So, like, do only the demons go here? Do all the dead monsters go? Well, here?
1: according according to the finale, maybe all the dead monsters go there because I saw Rhino Blaster, Eye I saw I guy, Eye guy. <laughs> uh, I saw the oysterizer. Uh, yeah, from, there's a
0: lot of recycled suits there, although they, we also saw some of them hanging out on the wild west bar planet.
1: This is true. This is true. So maybe it was their twins. Who knows?
0: Perhaps, perhaps, but yes, the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper. <laughs> yes.
1: All right. So now we get to move into our favorite parts of the podcast and we talk about the themes, talk about the through line for the, for, mm-hmm. uh, Lightspeed Rescue. Mm-hmm. And I think we picked a pretty good one. Uh, mm-hmm. The one we the one we picked. Am I correct me if I'm wrong. The one we picked is service and duty.
0: Yes. Now Disney Brain argued that this uh, that this was a season about sacrifice. No, not sacrifice. Excuse me. Let me back that up. He uh, Disney Brain uh, argued that this season was defined by heroism. But I think heroism fits in nicely with what we're going to talk about, which is service and duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Given that this is a team of Rangers who are all public servants, either they were public servants or they ended up being public servants because this is a these are this is a Power Ranger team that is they're, they're public servants. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of talk about duty and uh, and service. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that episode with that focused on Carter and Mitchell. He has a Mitchell has a little speech at the end where he basically says, "Hey, you know." yeah, I inspired you to do this and you know, I, I'm going to find it. You keep talking. I'm going to look for that line.
1: Um, but yeah, it's this, ser- we talked about, I think I mentioned this in the power trip, in the power trip article that I wrote for part one, Kaiju Raman magazine, where if you ask anyone that has, that, ha- that serves in any capacity, serves in any public service, whether that be police force or military, it starts to form like this pseudo-family. And that's kind of what both of these... That's kind of like one of the three li- the through lines through Lightspeed Rescue is this formation of a pseudo family. You've got for ex- you've got, you know, literal family with the Pink Ranger and her dad, Captain Mitchell. You've also got this pseudo family that's formed through service and a common goal, a common duty mm-hmm. through the rest of the Rangers,
0: mm-hmm. which is uh, something that is very common with people like that. You talk to soldiers, veterans mm-hmm. and th- they will tell you that the bond that you form with your brothers in arms, especially in combat. A lot of times it's formed through hardship. That's yeah. The, it's that's, very, it's very difficult to define unless you've been in that sort of a situation.
1: Yeah. That's the difficult part of this. That like the, it really is kind of the difficult part of this is because to have this kind of bond, you either have to have gone through something together or, you're all you, you have a common purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. And in, in this case, it is to protect Mariner Bay, of course, as power Rangers. But what helps is they're not just power Rangers. And we see this in the finale. They're also heroes as humans. They're also, yeah. Heroes I as-
0: actually, like I said, the finale is, I think this is one of the best finales in power Rangers that I've seen so far. I love the fact that the final shot of the series Is our heroes running off to a burning building without their morphers? They even say, "Hey, you forgot your morphers." They don't care. They just keep going.
1: They don't care. They just keep going. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's Uh, the
0: line I was looking for. Mitchell tells Carter, "You don't owe me anything. Whatever I may have done for you, you've returned it over and over again to the people you've saved." Yeah, almost got the uh, got the uh, got the award. Because it's such a clear thematic statement.
1: Interesting, because I tried to pick one too. That I tried to pick. Well, I tried to pick an award also that kind of spoke to that thematics that that thematic through line that we're experiencing here.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. When you become a public servant, especially if it's something like law enforcement, because that's kind of the close, like firefighters, paramedics, and uh, law uh, and uh, police officers. That's the kind of thing that we're seeing here and those are the most obvious sort of public servants it's not an easy life it's not an easy job as the last few years have shown us and sometimes it can go unappreciated underappreciated and yet it's something that these that people choose to do now there are people who do it poorly and they don't serve the public but ideally they are and especially when you look at someone like carter carter Carter, like I said, he's such a straight-laced old-school superhero, and because he he's a firefighter, and he was inspired to do so because he was helped by somebody. And I think a lot of times people feel inspired to do stuff like that because of other people in their lives. You know, perhaps they're the son of a cop or something like that
1: yeah i think it's a call i think it's a it's a it's a very particular call that want that mm-hmm. someone yeah has we've talked
0: that. about the call to adventure and the the call to heroism and things like that before as part of the hero's journey but this is a different variation on that
1: it is it's it's a different variation because it's uh it's voluntary yes a lot of times we've t- uh, some we've we've talked about in in other seasons where a lot of times you get called to heroism and you get called to, to this adventure and this, you know, these new experiences because you have to be like, you are thrust in these situations for someone like a, for like in the cases of these Rangers, they were given a choice and they chose to pursue this life. If I'm remembering correctly, they were not told that they had to do this. They no, they were
0: uh, Mitchell tells the, uh, because Joel tries to leave? He's like, uh, uh, oh. He says, well, "Why are we here? This is kidnapping." And jo- uh, and then Mitchell said, "No, it's not. You can leave whenever you want
1: You're after
0: I talk with you."
1: Right? <laughs> hear basically, hear me out. And if 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 it still doesn't resonate with you, you can walk. It's fine. Uh, and I think that's the most powerful. I think that's the most powerful part of it because they chose to stay. They chose to answer the call. This was not thrust upon them because of some extenuating circumstance, and it and they had. Or to a floating head
0: in the tube.
1: Or a floating head in the tube. It wasn't just said, "Oh, here you you have to do this. You have been chosen." No, you've been chosen. You, you
0: have pulled the sword from the stone.
1: <laughs> right. It's it's not like. What we talked about in Lost Galaxy, where the Soar, the Quasar Sabers, chose our Rangers, so their destiny, their, so their destiny was determined at that mm-hmm. point.
0: The Magna Defender chooses Mike, and mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so there's a there's a, there's a really nice element of choice with Lightspeed Rescue, where they're choosing to be the heroes. Now, a lot of them, like we've said, were heroes in their own right to begin with, whether it be a paramedic, a firefighter. um, The other ones that were not used to that lifestyle like Joel, Chad and Kelsey, they made a choice and they made a choice based on good leadership and and what they saw as good leadership in Carter. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times um that's really kind of what can motivate a people is good leadership, uh, a heart to do to do something good for the world, a heart to to basically and this is a very biblical principle to die to oneself for the greater good of others. Mm -hmm. Um, we talk like in the Christian tradition or the Christian faith, we talk about, you know, dying to ourselves for the greater purposes of, of Mm -hmm. God and to worship Mm -hmm. and do these things. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it's, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that you have to kind of acknowledge when you looking at, when you're looking at civil servants like this, they are dying to themselves. They're dying to what they want to do to serve their community
0: hmm and ryan we see a variation of this with ryan mm-hmm. who choos- chooses civil service as a path to redemption mm-hmm. he wants to and make up for the fact that he was used by the demons but now he's the titanium Ranger. He's like i have to use this and a so lot that, of times to make up for what i've done
1: and i have known people in past in my past life um that did not have the best upbringing that were not the best people um, that when I knew them in like high school or, or middle school or whatever, and they later joined the military because they needed that structure. They needed that, that purpose that, mm-hmm. that that's, I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is that mm-hmm. join into something like, like the police force or being a paramedic or the military or whatever. They're looking for purpose. Um and I think that those areas, those career paths can provide that for you. But sometimes people just want to get away from something and redeem themselves like mm-hmm. Ryan did.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a for, it becomes a form of penance for him. Yeah. And it's a particularly difficult when, or when they're doing the whole Cobra thing, because every time he morphs, he's risking, he's risking his life even more oh, at yeah. that point. For and sure. even him going on his little quest is part of that as well and then we get a we've already kind of been talking about it we see that reflected in a kind of a negative light Not kind of in a negative light with the demons so yeah we get another we
1: get sort of the 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 antithesis we're not no not the antithesis of that we get the other side of it with the demons because like we've already talked about it loci our Loki in particular and Diabolico and their in their relationship, there's a there's a brotherly loyalty there. They're Mm -hmm. bond they're bonded to one another. And that and they're bonded to one another through service of the queen. Uh but
0: and that's where I think it's a dark reflection because it's sycophantic loyalty, especially from Olympius. Yeah. Or it's service so that you can get something out of it.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's selfish. That's that it's, 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 it's instead of selflessness, it's selfishness with the demons. Um, now, which makes, which really kind of makes that scene with Loki, you know, dying in, in Diabolico's arms. So heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. Loki, Loki comes to the realization that what he's been doing like this, this career path, this this path of service that they've been on for so long, wasn't the right one to begin with.
0: Yeah, and that's a that's a difficult thing for. Uh, well, he I think he had already been suspicious of it, but at that point he's like, I see what unquestioning loyalty gets us. Mm-hmm. What 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 are we getting in the end with this? Right. And that's the thing, because you, know, you can you can go through the motions of service. But if your motivations are wrong or whether it's, you know, you're doing it sycophantically out of a blind, uh, out of blind loyalty, or if you're doing it to get something out of it, that's not how this works. Yeah. And that's why the Rangers have such a better grasp of the whole thing. Right, the, sure. so there's the contrast. So that's why it's it's very interesting because so there's family dynamics on both in both camps. There's service dynamics on both camps, but they are contrasted very starkly. Oh, absolutely. And now, Michael, the, now that that we got our favorite part out. It's now time for our second favorite part: the awards.
1: Yay! <laughs> I love the awards. Okay. Yeah, these are the award. The it's the awards perfected.
0: On yeah, yes. These are made-up awards that you stole from Henshin. Then, borrowed by other with our co-host right. in
1: common. I borrowed them. Get it right.
0: No, it's uh, you stole it from our co-host in common. There, got to get the bit in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say you perfected them, whatever, but we also kind of stole it from our friends at Monsters vs. Men. So, lots of thievery go to go around. Repurposed. Repurposed. We'll go with repurposed. Sure. Whatever helps you sleep at night. But anyway, our first award, which is we give out to fun little aspects of each season. the The first one is our power range of motion, which we give to the best stunt or fight scene. What do you have, Michael? I
1: actually have, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, I have the battle between diabolico and olympus uh specifically that first one where it's the one where olympius wins and captures diabolico i just like the wire work in that and it's interesting to see it's it's kind of like the culmination it's like the coming to a head of this conflict this constant like uh, bullery that they've been that they've been projecting at one another throughout this entire season uh, kind of coming to a head where Diabolico finally gets his hands on Olympias and Olympias finally uh, does something to please his mother. And so that's, it's a really interesting conflict there mm-hmm. and the, the cinematography is not bad. Uh, it's
0: pretty good. A lot of wire work, it's
1: a lot of wire, wire work. a lot of wire work. This is probably the most for these to be such like bulky, cumbersome suits. They're able to move around fairly, fairly well, and that's why I gave mm-hmm. it the award.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, the, most of that was Saban footage, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They learned how to do this. They had this down to a science at this point. Yeah. Mine is similar. It's, I think it's from even the same episode, but it's a different part of it. And that is Diabolico, when he's being controlled by Olympias, he kicks a wrecked car at the girls. And I love it's it's a great old school physical stunt where that's a real car getting thrown at real actors who are then getting hit and thrown around and that's real sparks and everything. It just it looks great. It's it's one of my favorite stunts from the season.
1: I want to give a small mo- I want to give a small honorable mention only because I thought it was funny and it made me chuckle when I saw it. Um, the blast when the super demons. Uh, Diabolico and uh, Olympias, they are destroyed, destroyed, not killed. You know, Uh, they're destroyed, not killed. Um, It, it hits Jinxer and he just goes, woo! And he blows back. And it's just, uh, (laughs) it's it's, it's just really funny. So yeah, anyway, (laughs) it's
0: really funny. That's almost more of a special effects. And speaking of special effects, the ultra SFX Zord award for the best special effects. So what did you have?
1: I'm going to have, I'm going to go with, honestly, I'm
0: looking at it right now. We have the same one, basically,
1: basically the miniature work, miniature work
0: in the finale, which is called the fate of light speed,
1: the miniature work between like the, the light speed, uh, the aqua base, the, 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 the original Saban footage looks like this is is all
0: original Saban footage. Like they are, they are actually making, this is American made tokusatsu that we're seeing Mm -hmm. here they it have the great. Zord suits. That's a miniature set for the Aqua Base that they, you know, filmed in a pool. Because that's, I, I, you can kind of see the seams a little bit in some of the shots. Was like, yeah, you filmed this in a pool, mm-hmm. and the, that's a minute. That's an original miniature city mm-hmm. with the Zord suit for Mariner Bay when they're mm-hmm. setting up the stones in a scene that makes me think of Doomsday <laughs> or okay. the first or the first episode of Jew Ranger with. Rita's castle ascending
1: ascending down from space. Yeah.
0: Yep. And so it's all of this original miniature work. It's surprisingly good. It It is really surprisingly good. They clearly had learned how to do this and they learned to do it. Well, yeah, for sure.
1: So for our next award, it's going to be our more phenomenal Mad Libs, and we give this to the best line that we found while uh, while we were watching through the series. So Nathan, uh-huh. what do you have? I actually have
0: Loki's dying words. I almost went with Mitchell's, oh. okay, but I have I have Loki's dying words because I think it's a very it's a it, it, it's a good summation of some of the thematic stuff we were talking about. I think this plus Captain Mitchell's. Captain Mitchell's line that I mentioned earlier, I think, really helps to summarize the thematics of the season. Where so he's talking to Diabolico, and they're they're holding hands together. You know, as Loki is dying, and after the Queen has basically forced Diabolico, like physically forced him, well, with her telekinetic powers to shoot him, and he says, "All I ever wanted was to serve her faithfully." I may not have been the smartest monster in her arsenal, but, but none was ever so loyal. Now it seems like it was all a big waste. It's too late for me, but not for you, Diabolico. Goodbye. Then he explains.
1: Loki. It. Boom. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Which you know we were we
1: just talked about like service and duty and like that the the realization that Loki comes to in that moment that maybe this was not the path that, that should have been taken is really heartbreaking.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I told you before you watch this for the first time, that that is actually a very good scene with a villain. It does mm-hmm. give a little bit of nuance to the villains mm-hmm. in Lightspeed rescue. Uh, but my more phenomenal Mad Lib award goes to the converse, the, the conversation between Carter and the queen or queen Bansheera. Uh, it's when Carter <laughs> en- enters her chamber and she's trying to, because at this point Queen Bansheer is like absorbing powers or trying to get enough power to, uh, you know, bring herself to the surface. And um, she's already killed Lokai at this point. She's already uh, absorbed Vipra, and she's trying to absorb Carter and his powers. And Carter says to her, "You'll never possess what I have. My strength comes from within, and I have a heart, which." plays to I chose this line because it kind of speaks to what we were talking about the through line of this series being service and duty and um you know a lot of times to to be a person that engages in those kind of career paths you have to have some level of uh, inner strength and some level of empathy mm-hmm. and heart for people and I think that that's and that's really the reason why I chose it
0: hmm i'm just glad he didn't say something about the power of friendship but <laughs> 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 uh, and, and i kept thinking it was like are you gonna say it's because you have friends oh okay thank god <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> it, it was something else not the power of friendship got it yeah. all right <laughs> and now it's time for one of our favorites <laughs> the i i i can't believe that happened for the craziest moment yeah <laughs> what did you have I
1: had, th- and this is, this has happened before in ranger lore, uh, but I feel like this is the best, this is the best that's been done thus far. And that's the Zords turning on the Rangers and destroying the Wackle base. Uh, it's, it's always an impactful moment when you get the Zords or someone as someone you knew as an ally that turns on the Rangers. Um, and you know, the, like we talked about in one of the other awards, the, the SFX Zord award this is a good special effect. And I think that it, this is a, a good bit of drama as well, because you're seeing the uh, life force Megazord just trash the aqua base and mm-hmm. you're seeing the uh, Omega Megazord mm-hmm. uh, being used to a uh, very nefarious ends mm-hmm. for, for, for Queen Bansheer, and It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a really good moment. It's just a really mm-hmm. impactful moments. Why I've chosen.
0: Do you feel like they were implying that there were people who died in that pod? Because they evacuated the <clears throat> other ones. But I get the impression there were people in that in that first the, one that they
1: hit. The implication could be that there are people that got destroyed in that, pl- in that pod. Yeah.
0: You, you, can, you can say the real word. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: there were people, I think, that died yeah. in that pod. <laughs> got
0: killed. <laughs> Which is actually kind of weird because there's actually a line. I think it's in the first episode where they say kill and destroy in the same Mm -hmm. sentence i'm like what okay (laughs) it's it's like the one time you let them do it and it's kind of weird okay so so that's so those
1: are our awards i think Uh, it was
0: when actually i think it was when dana was talking about the talking about her brother dying in the car accident
1: I think so too. But yeah, in that but anyway. in that in that context, it's I guess it's okay to use it, but any other time when they're talking about killing uh when they're talking about killing mon- the
0: monster of the week, they never say kill, they just say destroy. So Yeah, whatever. And now mine is actually something we talked about a little bit before, and it goes back to Spellbinder, but that trippy sequence when they're in the episode <laughs> where they bring the queen back. And considering one- how it was so straightforward... Every other episode of this show is when we suddenly get to this one and it's like Dutch angles that are moving around and echoey uh, chanting in some indecipherable language. and oh, The queen, the queen, oh, no, 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 the queen. No, 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 like, what the frick is this? What drugs are you on? And why are the anti Zed moms not losing their minds? Because this is more than just, you know, talking to low car. Or whatever. This is a full-fledged demonic ceremony because the bad guys are demons. We're not even hiding that.
1: No, we're not. We're not hiding it at all.
0: Where's the satanic panic moms? Uh, yeah, okay. we're not. Hi- <laughs> it's just it's so. But but barring that, like I said, it's so bizarre by comparison to everything else. Yeah. But then again, this whole the whole concept of the show is just kind of odd. It seems like a very Japanese thing to do. Cause like, like there's a new anime now that's really popular. It's called Fire Force that is about firefighters fighting demons.
1: Oh. Yeah. I mean, like the the Japanese have this the Japanese Japanese media in general have this weird have this well, I won't say weird, but it's they have this unique. Way of melding two different cultures and two things that should not go together, but they do.
0: Yeah, and in this case, it's first responders and, and demons. demons. So it's weird. It is. It's very it's weird. weird. Okay, moving on, and now it's Morphin time. Go, go, this is the point where we give our final thoughts in one minute or less. Are you ready? Michael. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. On our mark. Get set. Go. So I think Lightspeed Rescue, as we've already said, I think it's a little underrated, a little underappreciated. It's but it's mostly because it's positioned in an unfortunate place. It really is the middle child in the post Zordon Saban era. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Lightspeed Rescue is an interesting season that I think has garnered a lot more uh, fanfare over the years, and rightfully so. It's 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 exploring really unique concepts, and the melding of two different cultures is really interesting. You've got like very Western sensibilities mm-hmm. with the first responders. And you've kind of got like, you've kind of got Western ish demons, but it's like a, it's a very Western feeling season more so than even past power ranger seasons. We've gotten, mm-hmm. I like the characters are solid. The monster designs are great. Um, some of the
0: acting's a little suspect, but it's overall
1: pretty act- good. Some of the acts. Yeah. Some of the actings are a little sus- sus- suspect, but it's overall pretty good And damn time. It. Damn it. <laughs> Just go watch Lightspeed Rescue. You'll enjoy it. There you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Have you ever been on the Drift Space? I don't know if you're ready for
1: Fanboy 50. <laughs> oh, boy. I've never been on the Drift Space, but I want to come on. So, Jack, if you're listening, let me on the Drift Space. But don't. I don't want to do a kaiju movie. I want to do something else.
0: Uh, I, I mean, I was on for something that wasn't Kaiju, so
1: I want to. I want st- I told Jack one time, I want to stretch my, I want to stretch my legs a little bit with some other franchise other than Kaiju.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand. I totally understand. All right, and now with that, we need to let all the listeners with attitude know that what we have coming up. We've already said this is the penultimate uh, original Saban era season, and now we get to the end of the first era. Because now it's time for Time Force. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm looking forward to this one. Spoiler yeah, warning, this is another one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, too, because there's so much to unpack with Time Force. It's, oh. it's ridiculous. Oh,
0: I may have to make another three-hour PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And now, with that, listeners, with Attitude, may you avoid being on The Real Housewives of Mariner Bay. And may danger never test you. Actually, don't we want danger to test them? Anyway. (laughs) And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by
1: Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy.
1: Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations.
0: Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power
1: Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, (laughs) see ya!
0: This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media LLC.